What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and I am being joined by two wonderful people today to don capes and cowls and scour the streets of Gotham City for crime and ne'er-do-wells. I'm being joined by Mike and Megan. Mike of uh, Genuine Chit Chat and uh, Star Wars in Canon. So I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Introduce yourselves to the listeners. Who are you and where do you come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, as you say, I'm Mike Burton from Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in Canon. And Megan is my lovely girlfriend who has to listen to me talk about podcasting a lot, watch many of the great films that, well, some not so great, but some of the great films that I watch. And Megan's like a, a, a new nerd, I'd say. Yeah, I've uh, recently been introduced to the nerdy world. I mean, you've been a nerd for like, <laughs> Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. Yeah. You are a massive, massive Harry Potter and a yeah, pretty yeah, big yeah. Game of Thrones nerd. Uh, I know that you, Scott, you've got your Harry Potter book somewhere in the background there. I have. They're literally just here. Like, you know, <laughs> you go. I have uh, all, all the hardbacks I've been, I've been nice. getting, so yes. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. And obviously Megan's been on my show a couple of times and as we've been doing more and more nerdy things, um, sometimes Megan likes to get involved, especially when it's watching like several films. Mm. So very, it's, it's really cool us being able to do this because obviously you're a, such a massive uh, long-term fan and Megan's a bit of a newbie, so it's quite fun. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So you, you I, like the way, I love the way you said introduced and not like indoctrinated or you know, sort of like brainwashed. It was that's a much more nicer way of thinking of it. So we've we've know. both done it to each other in some ways because she's got me into uh, sort of musicals and stuff a lot more. So we've it was a okay. trade off initially. So it was I I got her into Star Wars and she got me into musicals. She took me to see Book of Mormon. I took her to see Wicked. Oh, and then you've we... seen Book of Mormon? Have you seen it on stage? Oh, you so, lucky people! So she's seen good. it like three times. I've seen it three really? times. Really? Yeah. I've seen it once and we had tickets okay. for it this year and it's got postponed to next year it is phenomenal i've listened to the music uh everything but no, I, yeah, I'd, I'd give anything to see that it's amazing it, it is it, so honestly good. if you get a chance to 100 percent go it is like obviously musicals there's so many different genres but mm. like for comedic value it is by far my favorite it's, it's so so, so good. yeah it, it's one of those i tried to sort of tease the wife into sort of to Alex to say like look look this could be funny it's not her humour she listened to like two of the songs and was just like ugh it's so <laughs> <laughs> it's great so I will I will go one day I, I will because I'd love to see that so yeah so jealous it is, it is amazing I got I got to show Megan uh, the South Park movie as well which she was hesitant to watch but then when you watch it it's got so many links to other musicals mm. like Les Miserables and stuff yeah there was, there was a whole scene in the South Park musical where I was watching it and I was like I'm pretty sure this is Les Mis. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is Les Mis. And then, like, a second scene happened, and I was like, this is definitely Les Mis. <laughs> It's like 100% a reference. So, yeah, we're both just... We're the kind of couple where we'll just, like, watch... Uh, Megan's happy to watch relatively anything I show her, and then normally I'll watch anything that she shows me. So it's a nice little trade-off thing. Not everything I show her lands, not everything she shows me lands. <laughs> like, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat was a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a miss for me in musicals, yeah. but she showed me loads of other cool films as well, which is good. 
Yeah, you can buy the two. We, we've got some coming up on uh, uh, Stories Out of Time and Space next year. We're going to be doing Little Shop of Horrors, which uh, we did Rocky Horror Picture Show this year as well. So, nice. Yeah, I've got that. Uh, Megan wants to show me that, and we've neither of us have seen Little Shop I've, of yeah, Horrors. Yeah, I've not seen Little we've, Shop We've got lots of lists about. Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors, immense. I love that film. <laughs> anyway, we're not, we should move on. Although, let's be fair, you know, the first one of these uh, films we're going to talk about could well have broken out into a musical. It's, it's that sort of uh, camp and bizarre. Um, <laughs> but we are going to be talking about this is the Batman retrospective. So it's going to be, you know, it's all dark and it's going to be gritty and uh, not probably not for this episode, to be fair. For the second episode, you know, if you think if you think Batman 66 is camp, oh, you wait till you get to Batman and Robin and George Clooney. Yeah, um, Megan doesn't, doesn't know anything about Batman and Robin. I've seen it no. years ago and I remember bits and pieces, but I've saved a lot of the things I remember. Yeah, my Batman knowledge is is pretty is pretty small to be fair well, uh, let's start with that then really because you know i'm a proper bat nerd so in fact i'm gonna start with you then megan so what is your batman knowledge what what do you know you know what would be your baseline knowledge of batman uh i know he's a rich guy uh that's really i know that like the basic premise of batman i've seen like a handful of the not even a handful it's a really small amount of the movies so well i've seen the dark knight and obviously now I've seen Batman 66 and yeah. the other two that I can't actually remember the Batman name. Batman and Batman Returns. Batman and Batman Returns. And you saw Batman Begins a while ago, didn't you? Yeah, but I saw that so long ago that I literally remember nothing about it. And I have seen Justice League that has Batman yeah, in it, Yeah, but that's it? also probably, apart from, and Batman vs Superman you saw. So the, the two... Yeah, but again, the thing with films <laughs> is that it takes a while for me to actually remember what happens so i have to i have to re-watch a film a couple of times for me to remember quite a lot of the stuff um i'm quite forgetful but no my my knowledge of batman is is incredibly it's, it's your small. brother who loves batman. my my brother loves batman he's got like all mm. comics of batman yeah he's uh he reads the comic books and stuff so. i borrowed a few off him to try and <laughs> scratch up on my knowledge because mine's not as much either so what about, what about you then, Mark? So what you say wasn't much, but what was it then? What is your baseline Batman knowledge? Well, I'd seen Batman's pieces of Batman 66 in part, mm. and then the four sort of... Uh, I looked online, they're kind of like the Burton-verse, the kind of 80s, 90s yeah, Batman yeah. Uh, ones. I'd seen... I've seen them all at some point in my life. I think they're the kind of shows that are on like ITV and you kind of watch it when I'm like eight or ten with, di with uh, dinner or whatever. So I, I remember certain bits and pieces uh probably yeah. unfortunately remembered the most about batman and robin i'd say but then the true sort of uh, love of batman uh came with the dark knight trilogy which i think is quite a common thing for the mm. uh, a lot of our sort of generation in that way because it's like that true dark grittiness that people expect that they get from the comics and i played i played arkham asylum and arkham city as well and obviously i've seen justice league and the sort of the dceu and the nolan verse i'd seen and i, I had like a the peripheral knowledge i knew like bits and pieces and i knew most of the villains but really that was probably only the last 10 years when i was a kid it, it was really i wasn't that into batman when i was younger so it's kind of like megan is only recently sort of getting into them and because of the retrospective she'll have seen probably all the batman films by the end relatively um yeah but yeah me it's been I'm probably like a, a med an average, like the mainstream almost uh, yeah. Batman fan, just kind of dip my toes in. And what I didn't realise as well until, the, until I looked it up was Batman 66, I thought was the first Batman film, but there's one from 1943. There is, but I didn't want to put you through it. <laughs> is it, is it really, really bad? <laughs> if, you think, if you think Adam West's costume looks a bit iffy, 
go back on, it's on youtube because it's obviously i think it's out of copyright and stuff but like you know it's, uh, go on to youtube and find it and just put in um some of the batman serials from the 50s and, and that and uh yeah I, I, it's it's not good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah they try their best but like it's one of those where um you know not that i can ever talk but like you, you see like Ben Affleck or, you know, some of those guys now when they're sort of training to be Batman and they're like, you know, they're ripped, like they've really put effort in and they're sort of like, you know, huge. And then you sort of see this guy from the 40s and he's just like, look, we've got this tubby guy. He looks pretty big, no definition. And he, we've put him in a really ill-fitting Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. And I would ask as well with you, Scott, when did you like properly get into Batman? Has it been like a lifelong thing for you? Uh, no, Batman 89. So like, oh, okay. I was, I was a, uh, I was about eight when it came out, and um, granted, it's a fifteen, but like you know, it was there. Yeah, what year you guys born? Just ninety-four. Yeah, we're both ninety-four. Okay, so it was even before you were born. There you go. So I was eight, going on nine <laughs> when it came out. It came out in June uh, eighty-nine, and you couldn't avoid it. Like it was just, you know, ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Like, it was one of the biggest things. Uh, you know, the, the, of that year. It was the year I'd started going to the cinema. And so it was just everywhere. And um, that was it. You know, that was when I was like, I'm going to, it was also around that time I started getting into like 2000 AD and really getting into comics. So yeah, it was around that. that it was Batman 89 that really got me into it. Mm. And then obviously soon after, and we'll get into that in the next episode, uh, it was the animated series that started in 92. And that was it then. That was sort of like, you know, uh, and then, and then, it goes off in a direction, which again we'll talk about in the next episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was around that time really that I got into it and, and started reading the comics and getting all the, you know, um, all kinds of bits and pieces from there. Mm. And uh, most recently, you can't really see it because the lights, but um, Eagle Moss, um, the, you know, they do the part works and stuff. Like, you know, every two weeks they release an issue. They've been doing a, uh, 80 issues for the Batman graphic, the ultimate Batman graphic novel collection. So, oh, what are those that, yeah, 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 I know yes. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm four away from completion. <laughs> oh, nice. Were, I always remember on my top shelf. Yeah, they look really cool. I always remember those sort of things. I'd always worry about them because sometimes it'd always be jinx. Because I remember there was not that specific type, but there was one comic e thing. Um, I can't remember if it was Doctor Who or something like that, but when I was younger, and it was like, oh, the ultimate collection. And then you mm. get like, about five or six in and not enough people would buy it so they would just stop and you just have these yeah. six of like these one-off episodes you're like this is pointless <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so well, it's good it's that you're right near the end at all yeah <laughs> um so let's jump in though let's jump into the film so the first one i sort of i sort of let you you know i asked you to watch was batman 66 um which was released a month i've got the notes here so i'm just going to make sure it's right it was released a month after the end of the first season. So everything you see in this film was originally built and designed for a TV show, which ran for four seasons um, between sort of like 66 and 68. Um, and obviously stars uh, Adam West and Burt Young, uh, Burt Ward, sorry, as Batman and Robin. And has a very distinctive 60s era. You know, it's, it's got that 60s vibe going for it. Um, and I hadn't watched this in a few years, and it, I, I'd forgotten how much, uh, how much fun it is, but also how silly it is. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give a quick plot, just because it's got. A, I'm going to give this because it sort of explains it. Uh, Penguin, Joker, Riddler, and Catwoman team up, kidnap an inventor to steal his distillery machine because he works for a whiskey company for some reason. Uh, 
So they can attack the World Council, evaporate them and hold them to ransom uh, while hiding out in a penguin-shaped submarine. I think that sort of sums it up, to to be fair. It was so weird. It was so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about it was just so corny. It was like literally anything that Robin said. I was just like, oh my God, uh, (laughs) everything you say just makes me cringe inside. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those, uh, even as a kid, I remember remember the first time I sort of watched this was not understanding that it was supposed to be like a comedy, you know, Mm. like it's supposed to be that silver age, 50s and 60s Batman, but not quite getting that it's a comedy. And so you sort of think like, wow, they are really... I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like this or mm. be offended by it. Like, I, I didn't get it when I was a kid. Um, yeah, luckily now I can watch it and go like, oh, no, this is supposed to be stupid. Like, this is, you know, almost like, it's almost like a Mickey tape without being offensive, I think. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't like these types of films because most of them are horrendous, but, you know, like epic movie, superhero movie, date movie. Yeah. It's almost like that of Batman but if it was made in the 60s it is kind of it's so over the top and odd like it's it's if you're not ready for it it really knocks you off if, if you haven't like when we Megan watched it I was like just to warn you Megan this film is like really bad but in kind of a good way you have to kind of laugh at it to enjoy it if you take it as if you watch Dark Knight and then you go into 66 you're gonna have a very bad time I mean they're, they're two completely different genres of film though aren't they the only the common time. factor is there's someone yeah. in it called Batman yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean the thing is again I, I like the fact that this film sort of it sets out its stall from the very beginning though in two very distinctive ways that you actually get a statement at the beginning that says to them to and the lovers of adventure lovers of pure escapism lovers of unadulterated entertainment Lovers of the ridiculous and the bizarre. There you go. So it's laying out a stall. Uh, to fun lovers everywhere, this picture is respectfully dedicated. So it's almost telling you, like, this is going to be weird and we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we encourage the weird because everything about this film is weird. Except, I will say, the Batmobile in this, I'd say, oh, yeah, is incredible. Yeah, I the thought Batmobile the 66 cool. Batmobile, when I saw it, I was like, I can't actually remember how the 66 Batmobile looks. I saw it, I was like, that's probably the coolest thing of the whole film. I thought it's amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a failed prototype. It was a legit car um, oh. that was designed and was rejected. And um, I forget who it was, but someone who was working on um, the, the, the TV show at the time sort of knew them. And they were like, yeah, no one wants this. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> but they sort of did some alterations to it and, and sort of stuff. And you get, you get the, the Batmobile. The crazy uh, thing is, is that you can now drive that car like yeah. that style car because obviously because google listens to everything i must have said to someone that i watched batman and then it came up as an advert on virgin experiences that you could drive the the superhero cars and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> well for a couple of grand you can buy one i think for like four or five grand you can buy like a you, know, you can buy those kit cars hmm you can buy the 66 batmobile as a kit car and then build it yourself and then drive oh around God. wherever you want Wow. So the, temptation, I mean, be... the temptations if i won the lottery i'll tell you what that's how i'd go and quit from work you know i'd turn up in the batmobile and be like yeah i'm uh, <laughs> i'm off <laughs> i was about to say i was like that's the kind of thing that like if i had loads of money and unlimited time if i just suddenly got like millions and millions of pounds thrown at me i'd be like yeah i'll have a batmobile why not <laughs> <laughs> 
It's got, it's a good, you know, get the top down, get you some sun as you're driving along, you know, that'd be brilliant. Um, <laughs> what did you think then as you're sort of going into it? You've seen that, you've got the intro, and then you get two guys in literally in sort of like cottony lycra uh, being attacked by a rubber shark. <laughs> oh my god, the do, shark, man. Do you want to go first with your opinion on the shark? The shark was just... I, like I understand the gag, but it just lasted so long. The, the joke just, just it just felt like it was never ending. <laughs> my favorite part is the fact that one of my favorite things about sixty six and the ridiculousness of it is that how many anything with the word bat in front of it. Oh yeah, bat everything. But, but it was also just the shark repellent spray. It's like oh, and then you've got like penguin at the end after they sort of beat the shark. And he's like, God, it's such a shame he had that shark repellent spray. And it's like, does that thing even exist? Like, how could you have known? <laughs> like, that, that doesn't exist, shark repellent spray. But when he was just like, as soon as he's getting bitten by it and just like smacking it, and it goes on for like two or three minutes, it and it's just wavy <laughs> rubber thing just flapping. And like Adam West hanging off this rope. Oh yeah, he's upside down hanging. He's like <laughs> upside down passing the, the bat shark repellent spray to him. And he's like, Doing some crazy limbo movements, which is and so you got Robin ridiculous. who just leaves the backcopter just flying itself perfectly yeah. fine as he climbs <laughs> yeah. down to give him the shark repellent spray, and then it hits the water and explodes, and you're like, "What's happening here?" As soon as that happened, I was like, "Okay, I remember this film being crap when I was younger, but now it's like bad good, so I can yeah. laugh with it." And I, I was the whole time, every time anything was happening, I was just cracking up. It's so dumb. It's amazing. It is, and that, that's the point. I think the moment you have sort of like. It's called shark repellent bat spray. And I love the fact that in, 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 the, in the helicopter, you've got a selection of them. It's not just one. He's got like three <laughs> or four of them ready. Like there's, there's an octopus spray and I think there's another one. Like they're, pre they're prepared. Um, but one of the things I love about this is not only like in the helicopter and everything, like the, the bat copter, sorry. But then when you go back to the, the bat cave, um, either Batman, Robin or Alfred, he's like, they're like one of those people. Do you remember those... Um, label makers mm, yeah, you yeah. rotate it and you'd make labels someone bought them a label maker and they've just gone mad with it because everything, <laughs> everything is labeled oh, i wrote um, one of the things down i think it was super molecular dust separator is, yeah. is one of them <laughs> and he's just like did you really need to label that like you can see it I mean, i've got some notes here of just all i think i wrote down each time there was a bat something yeah. And I just, cause I just could, I, I was like the bat gas and the bat wake. It was just bat everything. Also going to Alfred, the thing that made me laugh the most is when Alfred joined them on the, uh, on their like little escapades. And the only thing that was different is that he was wearing some like crappy little mask underneath his, <laughs> With his glasses. glasses on top. So his glasses were on top. He looked exactly the same, except he had some like small black piece of fabric around his When eyes. the Joker tried to like rob, it was, there was one point where, that was that in the next one? I honestly no, can't remember. It's in the this Joker. One, they break in when they break into the World Council, and, jo yeah. and Joker's yeah. wearing a pink, yeah. pinky purple mask, and you're sort of you're thinking, not really needed. <laughs> no, you've got a yeah. like, white skin in that. Why didn't they shave his mustache? <laughs> why has the Joker got face paint over his mustache? Yeah. So this, there's actually this is a, a thing actually. So like uh, the guy who played the Joker, Cesar Romero, like he plays it throughout the four seasons refused just outright refused to uh, shave um and but he'd already got the part so and they really wanted him so yeah they just paint over it <laughs> it's wow. so ridiculously like 
obvious that there's a moustache. Yeah. Especially on the shots, you'd think that they would think, <laughs> okay, he's not shaving his moustache. Let's do a few, yeah, sort of keep him from a distance a little bit or certain angles. But there's one point where the camera's, it's almost just his face taking up the whole frame. Yeah. And you can just see the bristles of the moustache, especially <laughs> now, because like where we watched it, it was like Blu-ray quality and stuff. So yeah, it was like yeah. proper, really, and you're thinking, this has been remastered probably too many times. Probably should have watched it on like VHS because you start to see it, like the penguin's nose, it doesn't fully match the colour of his skin. And <laughs> so it's a little bits where you're like, ah, I should have watched this on VHS rather than Blu-ray. It is one of those where you sort of like, because I watched it on Blu-ray as well, and you do, you sort of watch it at that level and you go, it looks good because the colours are really vibrant. But everything else looks crap. <laughs> that becomes a real problem. Especially, I think that one of the, one of the bits that stood out to me as a special effect that really falls short is uh, when Penguin evaporates his henchmen, mm. and he does them one at a time. And it's clear they've done, sort of like been almost like stuck onto the film, like they're just sort of yeah. there, and it looks like awful. And I thought, like, oh, <laughs> even in the sixties, there must have been a better way of doing this. Like it, it can't be this bad. <laughs> I would say one of the funny things though is, is the special effects, um, some of them are obviously terrible because of the 60s, but one thing I was surprised about was how good the fight scenes were. N- not like by today's standard, but like I'm pretty certain it's when Batman sort of goes mental in the hideout and he starts fighting everyone, he's yelling at them and stuff. And the camera, the camera only cuts like twice in like five minutes. So you're watching him like, the camera's following him like bouncing around the room and you're like, that actually would have taken a lot of effort. And like, I love, you know, the MCU movies and the DCEU, but a lot of the time when they fight scenes now, it's, oh, the fist goes near the face, cut. The fist hits the face, cut. And it's just like 20 cuts over like a minute or so. Whereas this, they just like, let's just have him kind of bounce off loads of people without cutting it. And I, I really like that, but I was surprised how good that was. Well, it's one of those things that, like, you, you know, you're, you and I are watching and going, this looks pretty good. Like, you know, they're holding the shot. But what it is, is there's someone somewhere with a budget going, every time you film a scene, that costs me this much money. Film it all <laughs> once. <laughs> and we've saved this much money in the budget. That's all it'll be. And, uh, oh, yeah. But no, I, I agree. And uh, cause I think there's... Um, we're going back to the Joker, like because weirdly, like, I really like the Cesar Romero Joker because mm. he's he's silly and like his jokes aren't funny. Like he's not funny, but I always feel like, and I thought this with all the Jokers, like even with the Cesar Romero Joker, there's almost like a sinisterness to him. Mm. Like yeah, you're daft and you're stupid, but I always get the feeling maybe it's just like you know you know the Joker like you always feel like he's one joke away from slitting the penguin's throat. Like, I'm always yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the four of them right now, you're the one I trust the least. Like, you know. To be um, fair, out of all of those villains, he was probably my favourite out of yeah. the, the four from Batman 6. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I mean, I think the Joker was surprisingly good. Like, I, I would almost... I'd probably go so far to say I like him more than the Jared Leto Joker. Because you've seen Suicide Squad as well, haven't you? Because mm-hmm. I showed you that before we saw Birds yeah. of Prey. Um, which you loved Birds of Prey, but you watched Suicide Squad. And I was like, just to warn you, Megan, this is not amazing. I like it, yeah. but I do not love it. I, it's yeah, very, yeah. very flawed. But I was like, Jared Leto's Joker, not even his performance, the script was, it's just terrible. a terrible interpretation of the Joker. It was like, it was just a gangster. Why'd you even call him Joker? But he, and the weird purring stuff he kept doing. I think Cesar Millar, Cesar Millar? No, He's Romero. The, Romero. It's, it's Cesar Millar, that's the dog whisperer. <laughs> 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 I mean, it wouldn't be too bad seeing him as a joker to be fair but um yeah i think he he did a really good job and i i think obviously yeah this film is now it's nearing 70 years old yeah, no, yeah. it's it's near 60 years old 66 isn't it so yeah, nearly yeah. 60. and it's like to be fair 
as cheesy and camp as a lot of it is, some of the stuff they do, I really like. So there's another bit, which is like certain explosions. They've got the cartoon outline. Mm. I actually really liked that. Effect. Oh yeah, I liked it. I thought that was, it was one of those things where you can see you don't have the budget. So you kind of, you did what you could, but it, it really works with the sort of, you know, the cartoon. Obviously it's, well, it's, it's from a comic, gimmick isn't of it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Um, Alvin, just, yeah. When did the Batman comics sort of start out of interest? The original? Yeah. Uh, so Batman appears in Detective Comics 27 in 1939. Hmm. Um, yeah. And the thing is, so th- this this is a line. So Batman originally, I mean, Batman you kill, in his first appearance, Batman kills someone by breaking their neck, and then lets someone fall into a vat of chemicals, um, which we'll get into in the next film. But um, like, so Batman started as like a proper grim and gritty vigilante, like you know, closer to like probably like Daredevil and the Punisher. Um, and then over time, they sort of aligned him with like Superman and, and a bit more of a uh, gooder. Yeah, a bit more, more of a do good But then, obviously, following... Um, I'm going to go into all kinds of details. But in the 50s, there was a thing called the, the Comics Book Code came out of this thing of... Um, Frank, Frank Wertham, this dog, Dr. Wertham, basically said that all comics are the, the root of all juvenile delinquency and, and crime and all this other stuff. So they created the Comics Book Code. So from the second half of the 50s into the 60s, there's all these rules. Like, the police can't be shown as, as you know, committing acts of violence and the kind of, of crime, you kind of violence against the police, you can't show this, can't show that kind of, that. and so all these superheroes like, well, you can't do what we were doing before, so we've got to go in this direction, and, and Batman 66 is a real representation of what Batman had become, like in the comics, um, you know, he wasn't the Dark Knight, he was the Light Knight, he was, dep- in the 50s, he was deputised by the police, to become, a, as, he, as he says in the film, a fully fully deputised member of the, the Gotham Police Department. <laughs> yeah, because then there's also mental. that weird comment that Robin makes where he's just like, listen to the police. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, our motto. Support the police. Yeah. 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 In, <laughs> That's this our day, message. in this day and age, it does feel a little bit like, you know, oof, no. Um, probably doesn't play well at the moment. <laughs> That's what cracked me up no. when you were watching it, because I posted on Twitter a couple of uh, your tweets that saying, now watching Batman 66, and I just put the, oh, Robin. <laughs> it was just quoting him like, That's, that doesn't age well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing is, again, like this does show the police to be almost incompetent, because they don't do anything like the moment someone sneezes they're like get the bat phone you know (laughs) that's what i said when we were watching one of the other ones oh that was i think batman return it was either batman returns or the other batman yeah they just automatically go to batman when there's a problem that's commissioner gordon why don't you try and solve the problem first i will get to that because i agree like the commissioner gordon the commissioner gordon in the burton verse like he is useless yeah (laughs) literally someone breaks breaks the law and they're like bat sign get the bat sign I'm not doing with. I'm not dealing with it. No chance. Uh, yeah, but it, it it is this weird sort of because he is a goody goody, and I like the fact as well that like Adam West is sort of so goody goody. Um, you know, so he's like the straight face of everything. Like everyone else is like having this crazy time, and Adam West is like playing it so straight. <laughs> yeah, he has the coolest voice though. That's one thing because mm. I said to my brother Rob um, about uh, he's. My brother Robbie is like 17 years older than me. So a lot of the reasons I've seen a lot of like films like Aliens and Terminator and Predator and stuff, he got me mm. into them. And um, when I said to him about Batman 66, he was like, he was like, that film's hilarious, but the best part is just Adam West's epic voice. Yes. And he's so well pronounced and so specific. And he speaks so well, even in like these situations where he's angry, he still has this full, long, really proper sounding sentence before he does anything. <laughs> it's just so prim and proper in a really weird way. 
Well, it's one of those things as well that, like, you know, in some of the other films, like they try to do to separate them. I mean, you, you know, you've talked about the Dark Knight, like you know, the Christian Bale voice. Everyone knows that silliness. But in this, like Adam West as Bruce Wayne and Batman, like it's a bit like that thing with like you know with like Superman wearing his glasses. Like with with the, with the Adam West Batman, like as soon as he talks, you'd be like, oh, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> Like you you sound exactly the same. Like it's yeah, it's oh, uh, it's not. And, and same with like Robin. Robin sounds the same no matter what. So yeah, and also Robin is just like you know he's this quite short man, which obviously isn't a problem or anything. But like he's a short, almost man boy, and it's yeah. called Robin the Boy Wonder. And you look at it like you could. You can easily tell by everything looking at him. But one thing you notice of Robin... Yeah, I mean, I was going to... Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> Which makes right in me, it, makes me, it makes me seem like a perv. But I'm not, I'd like to clarify. But Robin's, uh, like... He, nether regions. Nether regions were, yeah. like, padded. They were so padded. Like, he was basically flat. Whereas, like, everybody else in the film, like, Batman had some sort of package... Whereas Robin was completely like, it was clearly padded so that it was, yeah, exactly. Robin, Robin with, with Robin in, I mean, I know that in certain comics and things, Robin can become like badass and he becomes in certain iterations, he becomes Nightwing, I think. And there mm-hmm. are certain versions of Robin who, who is really, really cool. But obviously all the film representations of Robin have all obviously Batman and Robin's considered one of the worst ones ever made. And then yeah. Robin in this, he, he doesn't do anything of use except he always knows every answer to every riddle, which makes no sense at all. Oh, the yeah. riddles are so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, riddles. the riddles were one of my favorite. You say about laughing, like I love the fact that because you're right, the riddles are stupid, like they make again make no sense. Yet Robin's like, I know the answer, <laughs> and it's like yeah. some, it's so tangential. And then they sort of, they put the riddles together to come up with some other answer. And you get Commissioner Gordon going, it's so obvious when you say it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is, what's yeah. yellow? What do you write with this yellow? And it's like it's a like banana a ballpoint. ballpoint pen. Yeah, and then the other one was like, oh, it's a squirrel with a machine gun or something. Spar- a yeah. sparrow with a machine gun. Yeah. It's, it's just... like, oh yeah, obviously. And the fly to the sky and do all that, that writing. And you're thinking, how long was that rocket up there for? <laughs> yeah. Like all this perfectly written skywriting. Is that more... Yeah. It's, oh. It's so good in yeah. so many silly ways. I did. I really enjoyed it. it is, and that's the thing. Like when you sort of go through this, and like I say, going back to, it, I was like, oh, I've forgotten how daft this is. Uh, and you know, we said about the Joker. We we'll talk about some of the other villains. The problem I have with the villains is, like you say, you got a mustachioed Joker. Like although he is good fun, <laughs> uh, but you've got Burgess Meredith playing the Penguin. And the problem is, I was introduced to him even before this. I was introduced to him as Mickey from Rocky. So he's Rocky's oh. trainer. So I'm watching this going, in 10 years' time... Oh, yeah. I thought I recognised him. Yeah, exactly. So in 10 years' time, you're going to be like, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. And I'm like... Can't. <laughs> <laughs> you are Mickey. So, um, and then, like you say, you've got... Um, what's it? Uh, Gershi. I forget his name now. But um, I'll just write it down. But the, the guy who plays the Riddler... Um, he was awful. Did you not like him? I, oh. I thought he was probably the worst. Oh, no. Catwoman was... I couldn't no, that's a good point. Catwoman. I wrote down, she said perfect <laughs> yeah. six times. It was her voice. Perfect. Uh, yeah. 
And that would be the world's greatest detective and not realising that even as Catwoman, she barely even wears any disguise. It's like that tiny little face mask. The only difference was that she had a Russian accent at one point and then another point. Russian accent. (laughs) 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 Otherwise, it was pretty obvious who it was. Yeah. It was the Riddler's outfit that made me laugh because when he was the Riddler, he was wearing some like crappy he looks like a teenage mutant ninja turtle yeah he looks a bit like a, yeah. a crappy teenage mutant ninja turtle but when he wasn't dressed as the riddler he was wearing this like swanky suit with like yeah. all the question marks <laughs> on it and he looks like a, i was like when he wore the lycra and stuff and when he was in the submarine i was like i was like okay you can see his really unpleasant bulge it's all one color except his pink pants and his stupid pink eye mask i was like he looks awful and then, and then he changed. he's wearing this really cool and he's wearing suit. this all, and i was like that waistcoat is amazing and he yeah. looks so cool and then it's like whenever he fights you he wears this really weird lycra and i'm like go back to the waistcoat it looks so no, much cooler like like it's, like really like he's wearing like a rubbish nappy <laughs> <laughs> what's weird is in the tv show like the lycra you know the all-in-one that's like what he wears in like the first season. And then there must have been some on set. I reckon they had a similar conversation because the suit starts to make a lot of appearances in the second season where he's like, I'm not, I'm not wearing this anymore. This is stupid. There's a wonderful suit here that I look good in. I'm wearing that. Um, have you seen all four of the seasons? I have them all on Blu-ray, yes. Are, are they... I, I can't say I'd probably ever watch all of them because I think Batman don't. 66... Yeah, don't. Gonna... It's, hard, it's hard slog. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't make us watch all then for the retrospective. Uh, <laughs> so is it kind of like the Monty Python uh, thing, which is the first season is is like gold almost, and the second season's good but got flaws, and then third is like oof, and then four is just unwatchable. Yeah, it, it, it's the first two seasons are really good. Like there's some really mm. good stuff in there, like how absurd and how ridiculous it is, and it does get very. It get like there's. It, it becomes a little bit pun centric. Oof. That's the problem. Like everything's got to be punish uh, mm. towards the end, and it gets really bad. Um, th- there are vil- there are villains in the um, in this in the sixty six series that's never appeared anywhere else. Um, they have um, as well as the four that you've seen. Um, you know they bring in a Doctor Freeze, um, so he's in there. Um, but also you've got uh, King Tut, a guy who is obsessed with being. King Tut. <laughs> so the pharaohs. Is, is it, he pharaoh. hasn't got the really lame oh, eye makeup on, has yeah. he? And like, oh god. <laughs> uh, and Grant Morrison, the writer Grant Morrison, brought him into comic book canon, um, and uh, uh, actually has a, he's in. He appears in um, briefly. He appears in Arkham Asylum, the graphic novel, and stuff. Oh like really? That. Yeah. Uh, as Maxi Zeus, and um, and then there's another one which is my favourite. Because uh, I'm a big fan of Vincent Price, the the horror actor. He's another. Is it horror? The old Hammer horror films and stuff. A lot yeah, of those the things. American ones, uh, IPC and stuff. And he did all, the, all these other films. I really love. And he appears in it as a character called Egghead. <laughs> is he just someone who's really smart? Who's like bold? No, he's just he's got, no, he's got a head shaped like an egg. <laughs> That's literally, yeah. literally an Egghead. And then all of his villainry is is pun is egg pun related. Oh god, that sounds amazing. It's awful, yeah, it's awful. But as you say, I'm like, I love Vincent Price. This is terrible. I'm loving everything about it. If if you do go away and check out on YouTube, just go and check out King uh, Batman sixty six King Tut and Batman sixty six Egghead because it's almost like you'll watch it and you'll be like, well, thank God they weren't in the film. (laughs) (laughs) I am definitely writing that down. That sounds amazing. Yeah. 
so yeah, I was going to say this. So some of the things about this, the, the plot itself, um, the attack on like the World Council, and and um, what what were your thoughts on it as a sort of a, as a silly sort of comic book plot? I feel like it's an unreasonable amount of money. <laughs> like it's a crazy amount of money that they're asking for, especially in the sixties. What well. is it? One billion dollars for each country <laughs> from like the nine heads. Like, of what the would world. you even do with that amount of money? It's in cash as well. Was it? I was delivered by carrier pigeons. Yeah, delivered by carrier pigeons. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. It was almost like the penguin was just like, let's make, or the penguin and cat were like, let's make our demands, and then the actors just were never told to stop talking. So it's like a billion dollars. From every country, yeah. in cash, <laughs> delivered by carrier pigeon. So, what, what, is, what next is going to happen? Why someone's, these going, someone's going to go and cut. Right, we've got it. <laughs> we got it. Perfect. Yay! Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I, I do love how ludicrous it is because one of the things that I find most freezy in watching this, it made me think of uh, Austin Powers, <laughs> and all I could think of was like. And pe- like, people thought that Doctor Evil was crazy. Like, no, this is like you know th- these are even more ludicrous than than Doctor Evil. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the general idea of you know kidnapping the world leaders, the, the disintegration rate, or the dehydration ray, and then rehydration stuff, that was, I mean, it's cheesy and lame and ridiculous, but it is it does to some vagueness make sense. It's basically just a really convoluted way of let's kidnap the world leaders and hold them ransom. That one core element, that makes sense. That is quite a standard thing. That happens in mm. loads of uh, films even today. But it is just, it's all the flavour text around it that's the weirdness. Yeah. Of, as I said, that the carrier pigeon and so the really random ways they go about doing so many things. And it's just, I loved it as well when they're in the, um, I think Batman, he gets captured and then Catwoman, he's like, he's like, but you better not hurt whatever Catwoman's real name is, <laughs> yeah, the, the five or six word it, Russian yeah. name, which is just so long and unnecessary. It's just, let's think of seven or eight Russian words and we'll just get her to say them. Well, her, and, her first name is Kitty. So there's even oh. Catwoman in there. And you see, like, like, he's not the world's greatest detective, he's just a bit of a pillock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think he was like, oh, if you hurt her, and they're like, wait a minute. And then there's that comedic part where, like, they all kind of stall him a little bit, and then he, the Catwoman runs into basically the back room, gets changed, becomes the well, becomes in air quotes the the Russian version of herself again, talks to him normally, and then I think he leaves the room, and then she somehow manages to get back yeah. to the main room with all the villains in full cat gear again. And you're like, that's almost more impressive than the actual plot yeah. they're trying to think is her amazing ability. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, one of my favourite bits actually is the the button that changes the outfit when he goes in the Batcave. Oh yeah, yes, Mike really liked that. I, bit. Absolutely. <laughs> and when we watched Batman um, 89, when he first went to the Batcave, I even said to Megan, I was like, Mike come was on. Like, oh my God, that's going to be a button. That's gonna I was be like, a please, like, just, I would literally, I know it doesn't fit with a lot of the film, but I was like, please, if there's a button that Michael Keaton can press to just click and it does instant Batman uh, costume change, that would have made my, <laughs> made my yeah. day. It cracked me up, that button. It's like, it's, it's tongue-in-cheek in, it's almost like tongue-in-cheek parody, almost before tongue-in-cheek parody was really a thing. So in in certain ways, obviously, so many of the jokes are way too too far in that in that direction. But I do find that that worked really well. But the main sort of plot, as you say, with the the dehydration rehydration nonsense, is like they, I don't even know why they didn't just kidnap the people normally. Why they had to <laughs> faff about with the dehydration thing is so well, convoluted. They, but they've already kidnapped one person in order to get the dis- anti you know the evaporation gun. So, mm. so well, if you, you've kidnapped them, why not just kidnap 
these other people. <laughs> it, it is a bit bizarre. It's like, the plot is secondary to all the nonsense, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> um, it, it's all set up for jokes and stuff. Like one of my favourite bits, and I think it's quite famous, is is Batman trying to get rid of the bomb. Oh my god! <laughs> I love I that bit. She hated it. Was just thinking about the bomb, <laughs> and it just took so long it's like when he was just running and then suddenly there were ducks and he was like well i can't throw it in here because there are ducks and then he was like oh i'm gonna go run over here it's like oh there are two people making out i can't throw it down here and it's, it's like, just a like baby just throwing the bomb it's yeah. like the fact that you are still alive is a miracle <laughs> it's not the longest fuse it's like in you're supposed to be the best detective how you're alive i honestly don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that it's like the, the fourth wall breaking which never happens before or after and he's like some days you just can't get rid of a bomb <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that bit that's the yeah. main bit I remember from my childhood I remember when we watched it and Megan was like what do you remember about this and I was like I was like it's cheesy the effect's quite bad I think there's puns I was like I think Robin's quite annoying and there's a really awesome bomb bit where it looks yeah. it's like the bomb looks better than I remember it looking because I think I must remember one of the the series or something, but I remember there being, it was either a rock or a bomb and it was paper mache. And I, I, but I might be thinking of Star Trek when mm. uh, there's that Star Trek where he picks up the rock and it's like so, so light that that's the sort of thing that I kind of remembered. But yeah, the, how long he has that fuse going and just running backwards and forwards. I, I love that. But Megan, every time it cuts, she's like, oh, he's going to throw the bomb away. Uh, and every time I, it I cut, mean, I found, I found it funny to start with yeah. and then it just, carried on and on, <laughs> and on. <laughs> i feel like it goes da- it's like really funny and then it becomes less funny but it goes on for so long the, it becomes it funny you again. a second win of hilarity i think i think one of the biggest issues with this film is it was written by the guys that did the tv show mm. and so when you watch the tv show each episode is like 22 minutes and so like you know all these gags probably are quite you know they're quite punchy they're like we'll just go we've got 22 minutes go 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 and now they're like you've got over a hundred and they're like really (laughs) 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 i'm gonna use them all on one joke (laughs) uh, there's this joke i've been trying to do in three episodes now i can put it in the movie yeah it it, uh, (laughs) it definitely has that feel there are moments of padding in it most definitely um which but it's still um yeah it's one one final point I was going to ask really is is the World Council. <clears throat> now this was obviously made in the sixties, so it, you know you take it in the vein of its era. I I wasn't sure watching, but you know with the sort of like the the national stereotypes mm. sat around the table. I was a bit like, I'm not sure if this plays well anymore or if it should be if it can be taken as a joke. I was a bit like, mm, it feels a little uncomfortable in some in some cases. Yeah, I, I think it's worse when they swap at the end. Because yeah. normally, when you, when you see like a, an Asian man with an a really stereotypically Asian accent or anything, that's like, oh, that's a bit, ooh. But then when you see a white person doing the stereotypically rate, yeah. and it's that for all of them. You've got like the Russian guy and the German guy, and it's just like, you're like, oh, this is. <laughs> and then Batman and Robin just are like, let's, let's get out of here, like, <laughs> inconspicuously. And they just really slowly walk to the window. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was Megan. It was that was the one time where I was like, "This is going on for a little bit." Like it's literally <laughs> around the room. And, all of them. and then right, I love the fact that Batman and Robin are like close enough. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think they definitely wouldn't be able to do it now. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it 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 did feel a little bit. I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure if you know 
coming into this fresh, you'd be a bit like, no, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> uh, I think one of the other things, because I've, I've got a couple of notes here uh, mm. of just uh, silliness and things. I've got the, the note about the Riddler and then, um, oh yeah, uh, there was that bit that you mentioned, wasn't it, Megan? As if you think I can read your tiny little handwriting okay. there, Mike. <laughs> uh, uh, Megan pointed out that uh, Catwoman sounds like, do you remember what you said? No. The Count from Sesame Street. Oh yeah, <laughs> she sounds like Count Count. <laughs> and I remember she said that. that. That cracked me up more than her actual accent, as well as her saying, you know, perfect six times in a really annoying way. Um, and then I wrote down, I wrote holy, and then did a little star. And then I've got a little star, and I've written holy marathon, holy heart failure, um, holy bikini, holy Captain holies. Nemo. Yeah, and it's just almost basically the only dialogue Robin has is holy something, answering a riddle, or being basically exposition man. <laughs> just yeah. like, oh, you can't, you completely see this thing is happening. Well, let's have Robin just basically read out almost the script stage directions of what's happening <laughs> in <laughs> addition to everything else, just in case you didn't quite get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. One of the things that's going to carry on throughout this series, and I will keep, in fact, there's two things that I'm going to keep going back to. But the first one I'm going to mention is what contractors and engineers get the job of fitting out some of the equipment in this? Like I get Batman does his own thing, right? So he's built his Batmobile and whatever. Who, who fitted out Penguin's uh, submarine? Like who was like, there's, there's, when we get on to the third one, I have so so many issues with the Penguin (laughs) and the whole Penguin setup. Oh, she was going (laughs) off on one. Going off on a rant about the Penguin. We'll give you the floor when it gets to the (laughs) last one. I'm happy to hear it because I was watching it last night and I was was thinking like, because I love the Burton films, but I think a big part of it is nostalgia. It is one of those films and you watch it and I'm like, I'm not sure this really works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it... I think with with a lot of like with Batman sixty six, when everything is so silly and ridiculous, when you've got all these things that make no sense, you're like, ah, nothing makes sense. It's okay. Yeah. But when you get into the, the Burton films, it's like these are trying to be a lot more gritty. They've got their little silly moments, but there are certain points, and you're just a bit like, hang on a minute, what? <laughs> There's just loads of inventions that you're like, I don't understand this invention <laughs> why why are you obsessed with umbrellas uh why why is it so weird like why have you got a submarine in the ocean that is a penguin yeah that umbrella thing is bizarre because you do it's sort of like it's it's one of those you know those tangential things that seems to have just stuck with mm. a character so with a pen with the penguin it's sort of like you know he's got the, the hook nose and he, he walks a bit funny and so to make him look like a penguin they put him in um like a tuxedo you know like a like a tailored suit yeah and so when they drew him they were like oh he, he needs something to be a bit extra so they gave him an umbrella and it just seems to have stuck and more than that <laughs> it has grown into something bizarre but yeah because what i was, was gonna really say weird. as well uh, one thing i forgot to say is that i uh, really early on is that i've seen most of the series of gotham so yeah. I watched, uh, which I thought was really good. It's just that I have a, I have a bugbear with a lot of American series, mainly, uh, you know, one of the reasons I didn't embark on any of the Arrowverse stuff was like, right, here's a series. Okay, let's have 24 episodes. They're all 50 minutes long. So yeah. well, that's like, or if you said it was 45 minutes long, that's 18 hours per season. Whereas you click to like a, an English uh, TV show, like Sherlock, for example, three episodes, they're an hour and a half, granted. But or you know, Peaky Blinders, six episodes, 45 minutes. That's fine. If it's, if it's under 13, 10 to 
10 is kind of pushing it a bit, but 13 is almost as far as it will go. But some of these American ones are so long, and that's why I kind of stopped in Gotham. But obviously, Megan was asking me questions while watching uh, the three Batman films. And one of the things she said was like, why has Penguin got an umbrella? And I was like, I was like, I think they kind of wanted him to look sort of vaguely rich or regal, but he's also got a limp, so maybe it helps him. But there's yeah. not any specific reason. He's just kind yeah. of always had one. He's yeah. just got loads of gadgets. Like, wasn't there a bit in Batman 66 where they're essentially flying, like, the broomsticks in the air? Yeah. Like, are they, um, are they umbrellas yeah, as well? Brothers. It's big umbrellas. They're flying. Yeah, they're but this is what I mean. I was like, why are there so many umbrellas? <laughs> I don't understand. And all different colours. They're like, they're like, like kind of red. And, uh, and that's, yeah, when, that's when Robin was like, holy Halloween. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> if you watch the rest of the, and this is no excuse or even no justification but if you watch the rest of the 66 series like if you think that's bad every episode ended like you know you, if you think batman and robin are useless in this watch the show because every <laughs> every episode was a two-parter right and that was it because it was shown twice a week it was shown sort mm. of uh, start the weekend of the week so there were two parters and every one ended with batman and robin in peril uh, and they were always caught in some ridiculous sort of like you know uh, booby trap or some sort of like you know it was a um, I don't know they're about to have a big hammer dropped on them or something ridiculous and the penguin ones were always either fish related or umbrella related or something like that and then they would get out of them in some ridiculous way um, I mean you know I don't know if you've ever heard this sort of like you know um, it doesn't really happen in the film but there was a there was a voiceover in the in the TV show as well. And uh, he's the, this voiceover would come over and say, you know, see you next time, you know, same bat time, same bat channel. And you'd be like, you know, as a kid, you'd be like, oh my God, I've got to see what happens to them. Like every week <laughs> they'd get out of it. And you'd be like, all right, okay, that's uh... <laughs> uh, One last thing with Battle 66, I recall as well, is with the penguin having the, the sort of cigarette thing sticking out of his mouth, there was half the time when me and Megan were like, what the hell is he even saying? Because he's putting on this weird accent. And he does that weird, awful Oh yeah, he was doing laugh. that penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also got a cigarette coming out of his mouth and he's like he's trying to understand what you're saying with this weird accent half the stuff he's saying are puns as well and he's got a thing sticking out of his mouth so it's like <laughs> sorry what was that is that anything relevant a, a, wide, or you just... a wide array of accents in that <laughs> <film>. <laughs> you're right and i think keep in mind 66 throughout the burton verse and the schumacher years as well because it, it will come back to haunt us i guarantee it in fact, it does pretty much straight away. Because if we do jump forward, we go to, to Batman 89. And, you know, 20 years later, and, you know, uh, Batman's come through. And in the comic universe, he's become, he's come through the, all that stuff, the Silver Age. And we've had a resurgence. He's been sort of uh, re-machoed up uh, in the 70s. And you've had books like The Dark Knight Returns. Um, that have really made him, they've gone back to this sort of revisionist version of Batman where he's grim and gritty and, you know, he's about, he's beating the crap out of people and doing all this other stuff. And so when Batman 89's announced, like, everyone's like, oh my God, it was a huge deal. And they never did a trailer for this film. They never did a proper trailer. They literally just dropped, I think so just over a minute or maybe around a minute of footage on a TV show. Um, and that was it. That was all they did. They just dropped out a minute of footage and it showed like the Batmobile, Jack Nicholson as the Joker and Michael Keaton as Batman. And that was it. And there was a sort of, like, <laughs> that was, everyone was just, and then there was the bat symbol, you know, the sort of the gold and, and the black bat symbol. And then the fact that Prince had done the music and everyone so, um, and that was it. And it's, people would either just sold on it, but everyone was complaining that Michael Keaton was Batman, was going to be Bruce Wayne. 
because he's not the tallest chap. You know, things like he's not, he's not short, but he's you know he's, he's he's noticeably shorter than than Jack Nicholson, which is which yeah. is odd. Um, uh, but also he was known as a comedy actor. He'd done like Mister, you know, Mister um, Mom, and um, he'd obviously done Beetlejuice, which is a Tim mm. Burton film, all sort of stuff. So um. when people people were very excited for it, but um, when it came out, there was a little bit of like, oh my god, it, it could be awful. But it blew up. Look, it was one of the most successful films of '89. Um, but go on. Let, let's just your first thoughts. You've gone from '66 and you've gone to '89. Twenty-year difference. This is the '80s. You know, you're coming out of Reagan era '80s. What are your thoughts on your initial thoughts on Batman '89? Well, I will say one thing, uh, kind of linking with the Beetlejuice thing, is that up until recently, me and Megan, neither of us had actually seen Beetlejuice. Um, I've seen a few Tim Burton films, but we. I know. Um, well, I, I've for Halloween we did that this week of Halloween. We watched loads of. It was mainly films Megan hadn't seen because I'd seen quite a lot of them. And we watched mm. a few. And Beetlejuice was one of those films where we were both like, we've both heard Beetlejuice is amazing. I love Sleepy Hollow, and um, I sh- I showed Megan Sleepy Hollow, and so we we're like, let's watch Beetlejuice. Might be really good. Yeah, yeah. It I hated was. it so it, much. I genuinely couldn't stand really? it. Oh, I absolutely it. hated it. He is so rapey in it. <laughs> he is and, super, oh, super rapey. But like, not, like, he is the baddie. Let's be honest. Like, he is the villain. Well, that's it. But it was just—it was one of those things where, almost, funnily enough, of Beetlejuice, it had almost all the annoying parts of Batman '66. But obvious, as in everything went on for so long. <laughs> I know this isn't a Beetlejuice podcast, but obviously, it, it was just. There's that scene where they make everyone dance, and it just <laughs> yeah, goes yeah. on forever. And you're just like. And me and Megan, we had seen Beetlejuice, obviously, so we were just we didn't really know what to expect. We just I was like, oh, it's a Tim Burton film. It's a kind of a Halloween film. It's probably gonna be like Sleepy Hollow, which is quite dark with comedy sprinkled in when it was mm. kind of the other way around. So linking in with that is that Michael Keaton. I was saying when we watched Batman, I was like, I know Michael Keaton as a villain because of I've not actually seen him in that many things. But the most mm-hmm. recent thing is Spider Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. So obviously, mm-hmm. and he's got that sort of. Now that he's getting older and he's very, he's quite serious now, he does have that sort of more villainous kind of persona as he's gotten older. So seeing him as Batman, it was like, oh, this is weird seeing him, him like that. But I actually, I did like him as Batman. I liked him as Batman. I did like his lips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he was all pouty. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever, when he was driving the Batmobile, he was like pouting constantly. I was like, why is he pouting so much? Megan, to be fair, if I was driving that car, I'd be pouting. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the only thing I'd say is probably better about Batman 66 than the, the Burtonverse Batman Batman films is I genuinely prefer the Batmobile from 66 to the Burton mm. one. I like the Burton Batmobile. I think it is cool, but it just doesn't 100% land for me in, in that regard. But I mean, I thought, I thought the film was good. I, I can see when I was watching it, I was like, I can really see why it became such a hit because yeah. prior to that, it, it's weird seeing it through a lens of, of us, especially because where I'd seen, you know, Dark Knight is where I fell in love with Batman, which is, you know, the darkest and the grittiest. And I stuff. mean, for me, that's what I associate as Batman because yeah. that's the only thing that I've really seen. And I, I love that film. I love Heath Ledger as the Joker. Like, I, it's, it's so good. So, like, seeing different people as Batman, I'm just like, you're not Batman. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a bit like with James Bond, isn't it? Like, if you were introduced yeah. to James Bond as, as Daniel Craig and then you go back and watch Roger Moore, you're a bit like, oh no, no. So, yeah, like when I think of uh, like James Bond, I think of Piers Brosnan. Yeah. But my mum, my mum would think of Sean Connery. Mm. Yeah, it's so exactly it's just. Yeah. To me, Michael Keaton is is my 
is my Batman for these this, mm. this and the next film. But I really like Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Yeah, yes, same. he's brilliant. It's that thing of when you watch this film, and I've, I've begun to, I have realised it over years. When you're a kid and you watch this, and you do, you go, it's dark and it's emo and it's got all this, and it's got, <laughs> you know, the Joker kills people and he's all violent. And you think it's cool. I mean, even Batman kills people in this film. Like, you know, there's no disputing that when he blows up that Acme chemical plant, like, no, he's killed a bunch of people. Like, <laughs> well, he also just let the, like, well, I mean, what was it? His name's Jack, isn't it? Because it was yeah. Jack, Jack Nicholson playing Nepia Jack. Or something. And he just, like, lets him fall into a massive vat of chemicals. And you're like, all right, Batman. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> in that debate, because he's holding him, and he obviously knows it's Jack Napier that killed his parents and stuff. And you are, you're a bit like, does he drop him? Does he? Yeah. He's <laughs> looking at you, like... Surprised. So that was pretty strong. He should be able to probably lift him up. Yeah. But I think one of the best, uh, I, I think with the these, uh, if we stick with 89, I think one of the best things about it is the look. I think, yeah. it, especially like it's when tough. we watched it, because we saw it and you were like, is Jack Nicholson the Joker? And Because and, you could kind of remember, but you weren't 100%. Well, I, I'd never seen it before. I, I could tell he was the Joker and like literally like, I think it was like 10 seconds after I asked the question, he then was playing with like a deck of cards and then yeah, yeah. card, and I was like, okay, yeah, he is. But he was wearing like that kind of suit. Like, so I was like, oh, he looks like the Joker. He's wearing a purple suit. Yeah. And also like I said to you while we were watching the film, I was like, this is like a really good role for Jack Nicholson because also yeah. he's just nuts in real life as well. Yeah. So like, it's like, it's, it's a good like role for him to have yeah. played. I think of of the Batman uh, films, I'd say excluding the Dark Knight uh, trilogy, because I think Dark Knight as a film itself is probably one of the greatest films ever made ever, which is a little bit of foreshadowing for the future <laughs> ones. But it as as a film itself, I, with the only real fault I'd say I have, uh, true fault really, is that there's just bits in the two Burton films where it feels like they could have been a bit shaved off. Which is yeah, probably going to offend a few people, but there's there's certain scenes we're watching, yeah, it and did feel quite it long. kind of feels like it's going to end, and then it kind of doesn't, and it's got this. It's almost like it's got a fourth act. It's got like almost three acts, and then you've got this weird on both of them. You've got this weird sort of ten minute ish part where it's just setting up the final final scene, mm. and you're at that bit, and it's like oh, this is it's dragging a little bit now. But to I just be fair, that's almost like a that's almost like a fault of Burton. I find like with Burton, yes. Burton has that sort of thing. Like you see, you do see it in Beetlejuice. I admit, there's like that all runs, and they're sort of like he's never great with with finales. Mm. Um, and I think it comes down to like Burton, and he's even said this clearly has an affinity for the monsters, like for the villains. Yes. So when it comes yeah. to finishing them off, he's a bit like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want to do something else. Because um, although this is Batman, like. It's clearly Jack Nicholson's film. Yes, but you know, yeah. it's clearly like they're going like, no, we're telling we're telling the joke Jack Napier's story, and he's the one clearly having all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Batman's just kind of like pouting along, like he's pouting everything. along with the the love interest whose name I forget, the journalist Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Yeah, she. Why is her scream so piercing, and why does she scream so much? It's like. A really like horrendous scream. It's like it's ear piercing. Yeah, it? it's awful. Mm. It's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> she, she's she's an interesting add-on, and this is where I think this is one. This is going to be where I'm going to introduce the second thing I've got with this series. So we've said like, who's building this stuff? 
for them because the Joker has like cars with the Joker symbol on, like in his mm. helicopter, he's got a big circle with his face on. Like, does he just turn up to a print shop and he's like, I want 10 of these? <laughs> like, please, he's got I the cars that are all cars. like purple, hasn't he? He's got the purple topped cars. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I know you're not supposed to ask these questions of films because they look ace, but it is a bit like someone's painted them and done those up for you. Like, <laughs> Um, that, is, that was one of the colleagues you asked about, wasn't it? You were like, "What? How's Joker got all these resources?" And I was like, "I was like, I think it's because he's basically blackmailing the crime bosses, and he's just kind of got their resources." But the, the, the timings in the film, it only feels like everything happens within about two days. Oh yeah, but, it happens really quickly. But to make everything happen, it must have taken weeks and weeks. But one thing I would ask you as well, Scott, is because it's not clear in the film, is there ever explained anywhere, or maybe a tie-in comic or anything, of like when? in the Burton verse, Batman became Batman because the film starts like, they're like, oh, there's been five or six sightings of the bat. And I looked it up and Michael Keaton at the time is about 38 or when it was released. So he's, he's yeah. in his late thirties and he looks good for his age to be fair. But obviously it, with a pinch of salt, you could probably see Batman's maybe 30 or so. But from what I recall with other iterations of Batman, it's, it's his early twenties, isn't it? He normally kind of yeah. It's it's sort of supposed to be sort of he becomes Batman in like say twenty five. Really, is usually when it's sort of usually depicted. Um, now this is a slightly older Batman. I think this guy was he, he had sort of like a gap year of doing of doing. <laughs> um, it sort of pulled it all together and so now he's he's not supposed to have been around for that long. I think this is supposed to be like year one technically. Oh uh, yes, but, you yeah. know this is. This is sort of like in the first six months because the stories are coming out and people are starting to hear rumours about it. But it's, there's no been, you know, like the police are saying they've got a file on him, but it's not, it's not like, you know, he's an established um, vigilante within the city. Well, no, because the um, only person that really believes in him is the, uh, oh, the other journalist. I hate him so the, much. Uh, the <laughs> guy, Knox. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate him. Um, I was. I remember. Mike really hated it. I couldn't. <laughs> it, he grated on me in all the wrong ways. I tell you what, that is. That is. If he wasn't in the film at all, I would have thought I did enjoy Eighty Nine. It is a really, really good film. But genuinely, every time he opened his mouth, I just wanted him to die. I was. Yeah. I was like. I was. Like, I'm pretty certain he's not Jesus. in the other Batman films. Not the actor. The, you know. I mean, the actual <laughs> character. I was like. I was. Like, I don't remember him being in Batman Returns, and they don't really change the cast around that much that it, until you know after Batman Returns, they keep swapping out Batmans yeah. and things. But I was like. I'm pretty sure I don't remember a minute. I was like, I really hope he dies. That would satisfy me. But he doesn't. He's just, he's really weird and creepy in the wrong yeah. ways and very pushy with Vicky Vale. But also, he keeps trying to make all these jokes that are not only not funny, but they don't land. It just makes me think of that guy at a party who's desperately trying so hard to be funny and appealing to women that the desperation you can kind of <laughs> you can smell taste it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. That's to be fair. That's that's almost how I've always taken him. So I I just always assume that was it. That's what he's supposed to be. Like yeah, the sort of he always sort of loses out to everybody else. <laughs> he's a bit of a um, slimer. See, Mike thought he was slimy, and I was like, oh, he's just being nice. Nah. He's just being nice. <laughs> Every time he said anything to Vicky Vale, it's like, oh, he, oh, there was that bit, wasn't it, where she wasn't feeling well or something, and he was like, do you want me to come over? And she's like, that's nice. I was like, he just wants to go over there and dick her. He's not being yeah. nice. He's no, just, I was like, he's just, just being a nice friend. <laughs> so you naive, oh, naive woman. <laughs> Um, th th yeah, it, let's forget Knox because he is the worst part of this film. He irritates the crap out of me as well. Um, but I, I mean, let's go back to, to Jack Nicholson as the Joker because we've talked yeah. about Cesar Romero and, and his moustache. Um, but but do you did you find Jack Nicholson? You said like you know because Jack Nicholson's nuts. But do you find this Joker sinister or scary in any way? He has like an eerie sense to him because mm. obviously like 
he's kind of got that crazy lunatic side because he'll just randomly start like cracking up at nothing like whereas in the first one like the 66 one he obviously would like make a joke and I use joke in air quotes because it wasn't <laughs> ever funny but like he he makes a joke and then would laugh at that whereas like the Jack Nicholson version would like just start cracking up for absolutely no reason and it just seems incredibly sinister you're like why are you laughing because something's gonna happen and, and obviously the big thing with uh, the jack nicholson joker is is the makeup i think mm. the 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 smile thing and i'd i remember watching it and i was like because mm. I, I was remembering things as, as i was watching because i said i haven't watched uh, the burton verse uh, films in so long i could barely remember them but i was like so I'm pretty sure I remember the, the smile being really weird and freaky. Yeah. And then it happened. And I was like, because I said to Megan, I was like, I think you said it was latex, wasn't it? The, well, the yeah, he's of, got the prosthetic, hasn't he? He's got the, yeah. the latex there but that would have, it's yeah. It's so, as you say, like Burton, Burton is so visual in a, in a lot of ways. And the way he stylized uh, Batman 89, it, it looks amazing. And there's so many cool shots in it. But yeah, Jack Nicholson's Joker is, he's, He's in all the right ways. As Megan kind of said, it was like he, he's got this this darkness to him. Mm. Almost like as soon as he enters the room, there's this I don't use the term aura because it makes it sound like I believe in crystals and things, but you know what I mean? Like that sort of <laughs> that if you if he walks into a room, he's got this shadow to him. And it's it, Jack Nicholson plays it so well. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I'm pretty certain he dies at the end, but I couldn't really remember. And I was like, surely he's got to die. Because if he didn't, surely they would bring this joker back because yeah, he's yeah. i'd say obviously Heath Ledger is in my opinion and most people's opinions the best but almost everyone says the second best is nicholson and i'd, I'd agree with that i mean i'd say if Heath Ledger wasn't the joker i would say jack nicholson is from what i can see apart from yeah. other things he so, you know, i think it's a you know it's a nostalgia thing because to me jack yeah. nicholson is the joker and heath comes in a little bit after not by much but you know Heath Ledger's joker is sort of secondary but to me, it's that idea that like you don't ever know what it's the same with his ledge joker, but with Jack Nicholson, you're never entirely sure what mood he's gonna be in. Mm. Like yeah, he, I also oh, sorry. <laughs> well, like, just flips on a dime. Like the two, you know, there's a there's the bit when <clears throat> the two bits I always really think of is when he has the meeting with all the crime bosses. And the you know, and the guy sort of says, uh, you know, he's taken over uh, Jack Palance, uh, you know, his the crime family. And the other guy's like, well, why have we got to follow you? You know, what, what happens if I just leave? And he's like, well, we'll shake hands and we'll leave as friends. Oh, God, yeah, that bit. Yeah, and then he like melts. Into death. Like, yeah, literally yeah like, that was brutal. Him. And he's making all those jokes and dancing around him whilst he's sort of... And I'm like, as a kid, that really like, used to scare me because, like, like, that creeped me out. And he's, like, laughing at the corpse and stuff. Uh, but then the other one later on is um, he's cutting out pictures and Bob, his his uh, henchman Bob comes in to tell him the story, and he's he finds this whole thing about thing. He says, you know, I've given a name to my pain, and that name is Batman. And then he shoots out the telly, and I'm like, oh, he broke like two or three TVs. I was like, where is he getting all of these televisions from? <laughs> like, where are they coming from? The other thing that I really liked about him as well is that obviously with the '66 movie, he, there was the mustache hidden underneath, mm. but like with this one, there were because obviously where the from my little knowledge of the Joker and Batman and stuff, obviously he fell into the vat and that has like essentially stained his skin, hasn't it? Yes. So like, yeah. that's what his skin is meant to look like. But then there were bits where he was wearing 
normal makeup like mm. it, makeup to make him look like his skin was normal and then there was a really cool bit where he dabbed his forehead the and then the, the, the white makeup yeah. came on or well the normal makeup came off and then it looked like obviously the skin was underneath and i was like oh that's cool that yeah. is a very good effect it's the same with when he gets he meets vicky vale at the, the my favorite scene of the whole film is the the uh, the whole uh, art museum I loved that bit. Yeah. I was saying, oh, my dream, like as neurotic as the Joker is, I would love to go to an art museum and just graffiti all of it. That would just <laughs> be yeah. so much Paint fun. Everything. Oh, it must have been so good to film. Well, you've got the music and you've got them all dancing around, like all of his henchmen, and he's like, just go crazy. Like, you know, I can imagine Tim Burton's like, just go fucking nuts. Do what you want. Like, you just know, follow like, Jack Nicholson's leads. <laughs> exactly that. Follow Nicholson. And there's a great bit where one of them's about to knife a painting and he stops it and he's like, no, no. I like this one, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's like you can't, you could never judge what he's gonna do. Mm. Um, but as you said, the bit where he gets the water in his face, and um, you know, it washes off some of the, uh, the 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 skin color makeup, and he's got the white underneath. It just looks so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I do. I think he's fantastic as Joker. I, I loved it as well. Yeah, I, I think that it it was almost. I was saying to Megan, is, is the problem is with the movies is that they kind of have to introduce the villain and then kill them again. And obviously that, yeah. that's what happens in um, the sequel as well. And I was like, it, it is such a shame because they have to, they have to sh- uh, short track like everything because obviously it's understandable because when you want to make a two hour movie, unless you're going to do, you know, the ultimate cut of, you know, uh, Batman vs Superman, that's like three and a bit hours long mm-hmm. and you put so much stuff in it. If you, if you don't do that or you don't make it some sort of ridiculous series, you, you kind of do have to have a start and an end. And, before they were making you know multiverses where oh let's keep this villain alive so he can pop up in a tiny bit of another film and we'll tease him for ages instead of doing that they kind of had to have a start in the end and i found that even though i had a suspicion at the end you're like is joker actually gonna die like because obviously he's known as like batman's greatest uh nemesis Mm. and even when he's dead at the end megan was saying because you said out loud you're like is he actually dead? Like, I know he fell that far, but and he obviously he was really far with that gargoyle. But it's like that look on his face. You're like, if he just, if a poof of smoke happens and his body disappeared, I wouldn't have been surprised because yeah. you yeah. never know his game. Even when yeah. he's fighting Batman up at the top, like, you're like, does he, did he know Batman was gonna, because he's like slow dancing with Vicky Vale for <laughs> a bit too long, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, is he, was he planning on that? And and that scene specifically, what I loved is is once again the visual side is is that bell falling. Yeah, I loved that bit. Oh, it was incredible. You, you mean that, that one of the things that's just reminding me of something I'll get to in a second. But you're right. I mean, this film looks amazing, um, and it's, it's so sort of like purely Burton in that mm. that aesthetic. Um, <clears throat> you know, Gotham is sort of like this massive uh, noir art deco. Um, city. I mean, it's got like massive spires and statues and all sort of stuff. But one of the things I love is that in the, in the opening scene, and you have the family with the with the. And th- this is one of the, the clever things about this film that all the other films have lost and missed out on. <clears throat> weirdly, is everyone moans about now whenever a Batman film comes up, you've got to see his parents killed. Like they've done it so many times. You know, you've got to see the pearls fall and you've got to see someone kill them, right? And you sort of see a little bit of it in this film, but they also play it the other way because everyone, they're assuming that everybody already knows that. So it starts with a well-to-do couple and a little kid going down an entry. (laughs) I was just like, like, (laughs) when that bit happened, I was like, I know what's going to happen. I know that that's Batman and I know that that's Batman. She said it out loud. I said it out loud to Mike because whenever we watch a film that I've not 
or what that I've not seen before that Vike has. I like to vocalize yeah. my thoughts because then if I'm right, I can be like, hey, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, oh yeah, obviously this is Batman and obviously that's his parents and his parents are going to die. And then that's Batman's origin story. And then mm. it didn't happen. And I was like, I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only Batman film that doesn't happen. But do you know what it does though? I love it, the fact that it does, because it did that as me the first time you see it. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is going to be. And it's not. Um, but what's really weird about it is Batman watches it all take place and lets I it happen. That. Yeah, like, that's he, what I said. You see him up, up top watching it and then he walks off and you're like, wait a minute, this Batman's a bit of a prick. <laughs> <laughs> He's just watching it happen. Then he waits, what, like 10 minutes or so until yeah. those seemingly crackheads are counting yeah, all the goes, money. Yeah. And you get that really cool thing. when when you, To be fair, when you get that Batman reveal where you see that the sort of wings and stuff, yeah. I mean, it is really cool. But I remember, I think I might have said to Megan, I was like, I was because when Megan said about the Batman, oh, this is the Batman thing, and I was like, I was like, I think it isn't. When Megan has these predictions, I don't like to shut her down because obviously, yeah. you film, you find out. But I was thinking, I was like, I don't think this is. I think you see Batman, but then you watch it happen. I was like, and I was, I was second guessing myself because I was like, but Batman wouldn't just watch this happen, would he? And I was like, oh mm. no, he, he did. Just he could be up a couple of crackheads afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it, you know, you you it sort of sets the tone, and that's what I do like that, that it has that tone because there's so many like map paintings and animation in this. So at that moment, you see Batman looking down and he turns around. His animation, like that's not film oh. animated. And there's some other bits. So the, the moment you see Joker falling is animated, like that's you know it's all. So they, they use some really cool you know 80s effects and stuff in this film um i'm just so drawn in by the way it looks Mm. um but the one thing i was going to come back to was was what we sort of said was like do you think batman's any good in this film well not hugely if honestly i mean i'm trying to think because he he almost it almost seems like he flukes his way through things quite a lot like i think towards the end when he's in that sort of final showdown with joker he obviously he does the the connection of his he, he wraps his ankle to the gargoyle and i remember watching that thinking why doesn't the helicopter just fly over the spire then if joker falls he'd be fine <laughs> but he does seem to let things get to the 11th hour almost like yeah. like him and him and vicky Vale are literally hanging off the edge for ages and you're thinking isn't batman meant to be really really strong and he yeah just... it just seems like there's sometimes he, he can get shot with a bullet but then sometimes he can't just win a fight really easily. And I'm like, but, but you can literally get shot with a bullet yeah. and that's okay. <laughs> that's it. And I agree. Cause I think parts of this film like, are really cool. And I do like, you know, Keaton as Batman, but then there are, and there's some really like cool thought, like they put thought into some things and then not others. So like there are, t- there's, there are times he just seems to react to things all the time. Like he's never proactive. Um, the only thing is that I do like is he does do some detective work in this. Like he figures out, the combination of chemicals that cause uh, the Smilex reaction. Uh, and the other thing I like in this film, which is it's like little things have been thought of. You know, when he takes Vicky Vale in, in, his, in, in the Batmobile uh, and yeah. he, takes her back to the, he takes her back to the Batcave and um, that's all a bit rapey as well. But <laughs> when he's taking her back and she's trying to look at him in the face, he switches on a light. So she's got like a, a light in her eyes so she can't see past it to see him. I'm like... That's a really cool idea. Someone's thought that up and come up with it. Yet there's other parts of the plot that you're thinking, I wish they'd put more thought into that rather than this thing about a light in the car. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's, there's two bits with the Batmobile that I loved uh, about this one. Actually, I think 
one of the parts I was going to say is in the the sequel, but um, I've I've got it written down where it was so cool was when um, Batman the Batmobile is being chased by uh, the Joker cars, mm. and it goes around that corner, it shoots out uh, I think a grapple hook, and it does that really tight turning. Oh yeah, that was cool. I was like, that is badass. I think I think it's in Batman Returns right at the start where the um, is on this pillar that comes down yes. and he just and he just spins around on the spot. I was like, yeah. the, the gadgets oh, of the yeah. Batmobile is so so cool, and I yeah. I liked the animation of it where because um, you, you now when you watch it you can really see that it's clearly the, the how they've done it. They've almost done the screen wipe, but when mm. it goes from the normal to like parked when it's all got the armor plating on it, and you can basically see the screen wipe of of the armor plating <laughs> yeah. going on it. But I thought that effect was really cool, and I, I really as you say, there, there's so many. It, in some ways, it, it's kind of almost like, um, in, in much less or maybe more extreme sense, like with, with Star Wars in some ways, where there's so many little details that you go, God, that's really clever. That makes a lot of sense. And then there's a couple of glaring plot holes and you're a bit like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I will happily admit that, like, you know, th- there's things I love in this film. Like I say, the attention to detail. Like when Joker does his advert. I love them. And the fact he's using corpses... Well, I don't even look at this, but he's, he's meant to be using corpses and then he's animated the mouths. Like, that is proper creepy and it's so mm, well yeah. done. Um, it makes you uncomfortable. That's what this Joker does yeah. really well. Yeah, he is. He, yeah, really uncomfortable and really great. Like, that advert really makes you feel uncomfortable. It puts um, you on edge. Yeah, it does yeah. put you on edge, yeah. Um, and then you get to the end of the film, though, and you got, you know, then you have Batman sweeping through the city in his Batwing, which is cool and looks great, but he's brought down by basically like a, 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 the dumbest gun in in any film ever. <laughs> like, one of the things that always worries me about that gun is like, because it looks, again, it looks good. It looks, it's it's, it's almost Batman 66, sorry, Batman 66. <laughs> Because the Joker pulls it out of his trousers. Oh, is that the really, the really, really the long revolver gun? with like really a meter long, long barrel? Long revolver. And all I'm thinking is like, how's he been walking? He's <laughs> been really uncomfortable. Um, and he, he uses a yeah, basically a revolver to bring down a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is ludicrous. Like it's so so silly. But um, yeah. It, it's one of those, like you say, like you could, I could nitpick at that for hours, and I should, because you know, I, I did, I picked up Star Wars for hours. <laughs> I felt I should pick these bits and pieces up. Um, but th- this also comes back to the police, because the Batman follows him up the back, the back ta- uh, the tower of the church or whatever, and then the bell, the bell falls down, and you see sort of uh, Commissioner Gordon rocks up with the police, and then tries to push it, but all he does <laughs> is goes, no, it's it won't budge. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the bit. Mike was getting like he was like, he was like that was a pathetic attempt. He was like, it, it didn't even look like he tried to push it. Oh. He was like, I understand that that's a prop, but it didn't even look like he tried. <laughs> yeah, literally, just it, it didn't even look like he put even his own weight on it. It, it just yeah. it looks like almost like play fighting with a child. Like, eh? oh no, yeah. I pushed you really hard. <laughs> the Commissioner Gordon in these two films is is so useless, so beyond useless. Like he's the commissioner. He knows that that, that um, uh, what's the name of the, the detective, um, the corrupt copper. Oh God! I don't know. Uh, I but he knows he's he knows he's corrupt, and he's got evidence of it. Yet he's like, that- I'm like, you're you're his boss. Fire him. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Lando? No, no, you're no, Lando. No, yeah, Lando. Great That's- spot, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lando plays Harvey Dent, who Harvey Dent, yeah, who, no. who is later played by uh, later and obviously becomes Two Face. Yeah, he was supposed to come back for what we will cover in the next episode, Batman Forever. 
to play um, the Two-Face. And he was actually contracted to do so. And then they, they had a bit of a falling out with Warner Brothers. And, uh, and it didn't happen. You get And you get Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love the fact you've got... Um, I say Lando. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really bad with actors' names. So. Yeah, because you, you normally you do association, don't you? I'm really, like, I'm really good at picturing. I'm really good at seeing people's faces, so I can yeah. be like, oh, I know you. You were like literally in that film for all of ten seconds, and I recognise your face, but I can't remember your name for the life of me. Yeah, you you do that a lot with these sort of films because with with a lot of these films, including the the sort of sequel, you're like, where do I know them from? Oh yeah, it was, it was like, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. I saw her face, and I was like, why do I know her? And it's because of Hairspray. Oh, okay. She's in Hairspray, and also Christopher Walken is also in Hairspray. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh, she's. I was like, of the films I've seen Michelle Pfeiffer in, I was like, you haven't seen Mother, you haven't seen Criminal Minds. Um, I was like, oh, Ant Man of the Wasp, and you're like, no, it's not. And she's like, it's Hairspray. I was like, oh yeah, of course. She's the world's. She's like the worst person in the entire universe in Hairspray. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. God, but oh, well. I was going to say, I think one other thing I wanted to note um, about 89, which I noticed right at the start, which I thought was really cool, was when they do the artist sketch of Batman mm. and it's a Batman, like a, a little giant bat. Man bat, I think. Is, that, is man bat a villain? He is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like man bat in a suit, but I like yes. the fact that you see a little signature of Bob Kane. Well, it was drawn by the... Bob Kane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, mm. that, I, I saw that just for a second. I was like, oh, right there, Dad. And Meg was like, what? And I was like, oh, it said Bob Kane. And she kind of looked at me. I was like, Bob Kane's the person who created Batman. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, really, that sketch was just like a nice little little nod uh, to probably man bat. And that. And I just, I thought that. And also that all the gun sounds, especially in 89 Batman, they all sound like they're from like the spaghetti Western films. Yeah. Where it's like, pew, pew, and it's just like ricocheting off everything all the time. Is this the... Is this the film where he... I can't remember if it's this one or Batman Returns because we watched them a day after each other yeah. so they kind of blur a little bit. But was this the one where he drives the Batmobile really slowly into the building, drops yeah. a bomb, and then just casually Kills drives him. out? And then, yeah, that is this one, isn't it? Yeah, because we yeah. mentioned earlier. And there was like, that bomb... Him, I think you just yelled out, fuck off, when that happened because <laughs> it was just really slow drive in, getting shot by everything, drops a little bomb, drives out, blows the whole thing to like the most ridiculously gigantic explosion ever and it's just like couldn't he have like you know shot a rock here or yeah rolled the ball it in why well, the fact of the matter is the other thing is he's not even in the car he's remote controlling it because because oh. the car pulls up after the explosion and he gets in it because that's when the joker comes in the helicopter and he's like you know missed me and it sort of takes makes the mickey and then flies off um but yeah, no, it is. It's that thing of like, he drives it into Acme Chemicals <laughs> and you're sort of like going, and you see all these people, like all of Joker's men and the car's getting all shot at. And I love that. It sort of goes, and then sort of like the little ball comes out, drops, and then it drives off. And all I'm thinking is like, yeah, Bat- Batman's just killed a bunch of, like more people than Robocop. Like this guy's just <laughs> taking out people left, right and centre. Um, yeah, it is all a bit, a bit dodgy. The one thing I would say, though, the last note before we get on to returns is obviously this is a tim burton film and tim burton often comes with danny elfman and Mm. and i love danny elfman danny elfman did uh, he did like beetlejuice he did edward scissorhands have you ever seen edward scissorhands i have have i've seen it once a quite a while ago of course around christmas because it's quite a christmasy i i remember enjoying it but yeah. I don't really remember that much about it. It's one oh. of those. It's one of the. It's one of the key brilliant Johnny Depp roles. It was like it you know, Sleepy Hollow, Edward Scissorhands. I think Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. That 
that was probably at that point the Curse of the Black Pearls where it starts to teeter off because mm. I found with Johnny Depp became such a typecast or typecast of being that kooky weird character that for about 10 to 15 years he was so weird and kooky it was just annoying and then I yeah. found in Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald although the film is crap into Johnny Depp's Grindelwald uh, act, uh, being uh, Grindelwald is actually the best part about the whole film because it was the first film I've seen Johnny Depp in in probably 20 years where he hasn't overacted yeah, and yeah. it was it was the oh, 90s yeah, yeah. which was when Johnny Depp stopped doing it before Treasure Johnny that. Depp did that Treasure that because he ain't coming back for the next ones well, no yeah, exactly we saw that uh, oh god <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And, that, you know, just uh, so Edward Scissorhands is amazing. Just, just as a side note, and I do recommend going to see that again. Also, if you want to see Johnny Depp in a really good film, not being too kooky, but in a Depp film, go see Edward, uh, Edward. Edward. Oh, I've heard of that. Wonderful film. Absolutely wonderful film. But anyway, back to Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman's score for this film and for the next film are two of my favourite scores for films ever. Like, mm. I love the music on this in this film. I don't, I don't even if it even made it made like a, a dent. Did you did you have any thoughts about it? Did it register at all? No, <laughs> I, no. I as I it, it takes me a while to get into a film, so I'd have to watch it a couple of times. Like mm. there are bits that you two are talking about, and I'm like, I literally have no recollection of that happening. <laughs> and I I genuinely watched the film like two or three days ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if I if I work because I I love music and like musical scores, and as someone who has played instruments, it is something that appeals to me. But it would have to be something that I'd have to listen to again. I think with you, what you do more so with scores is. What I found with Megan generally is she doesn't necessarily notice when the score is amazing because you you generally with pretty much all movies you watch were fine but you notice when the score is crap. So if yeah. if there's music that really doesn't fit, I notice that Megan clicks on it immediately. Whereas I don't necessarily click on that as quickly. I'm it's almost like the optimist and the pessimist of music. When there's amazing scores, I'm like yes. Whereas when it's crap, I'm like that's eh, all right. Whereas Megan's like nope, <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. Um, I, I thought the music was good, although I will say. I thought the music was good and fitting, but for me personally, I didn't feel like it, it jumped up and above uh, a lot of the other stuff. But I did feel like when I saw Danny Elfman come up, uh, when it was in the, the, the credits, was the world's, lo- the world's longest credits we were talking about. Both <laughs> the world's longest credits and the world's longest entrance. Why are they so long introductions to a film? <laughs> like, they go on for five hours, like, ages. It's so long. Like, honestly, that, that draggy bit is just the starting of the film why is it so long <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the music honestly I, I enjoyed it but it honestly i didn't there's nothing that specifically i can remember that actually uh stood out which for me is probably a, a good thing yeah it's good that's fine yeah it's, it's, it's one of those again like the, the the theme at the start of this um to me is up there with john williams superman score you know so mm, so the yeah. john williams superman score or the john williams superman theme you know um is is up there as so recognizable and so is this and you'll hear this again in the next episode because they then used it for the tv series the animated tv series mm. basically took the elfman score and rejigged it a little bit and then and then used it for that um but yeah no I, I do i love it i absolutely think it's fantastic and the prince music as well you get prince doing bat dance and a whole bunch of other stuff which was great oh. I do remember actually there was one bit that me and Megan both didn't like about the music, which was well, it was me more so, which was when it was the bit where Joker's sending out all the money and stuff, yeah. and I love that scene, but I just found I obviously when the, it said the start of music's done by Prince, I was like, oh, neither of us are massive Prince fans. I, I can't say I I know enough Prince to 
like or dislike him. Mm-hmm. I just know of him kind of. And I remember there was that scene and I was like, there was that one moment I was like, this doesn't really, for me personally, it didn't really sound like it fitted because the music was, a. I don't know if maybe it was just the, the mixing and stuff, but like the music was quite loud. Everything else was quite quiet, but it was meant to be really dark and sinister. And it just seemed like there's almost not boogie nights but you know what i mean like they're kind of like that's the point though it's the juxtaposition well that's the thing is for me it just didn't quite work i i just found i feel like that was for me probably unfortunately watching you know the dark knight films when something bad happens it's got that sinister (laughs) music whereas that was like yeah everyone boogie down woo and they're like music and like obviously that is meant to be the feel because all the 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 crowd are like oh yeah free money even though (laughs) as soon as you hear the term free money he's on the on the when he's on the float yeah. yeah. I, I did love that bit where, where you got really upset when Bob got shot, didn't you? Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got really sad when he died. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I, I don't mind Bob. I was like, he's really loyal. He's been really loyal to the Joker. And then literally as soon as I said that, he shot him. I was like, and he's dead. Okay. <laughs> Do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? But Bob the henchman. No. He's one of Jack Nicholson's best friends. Is it? <laughs> yeah, and he, that's how he got the job. He was just like, "Oh, we'll give we'll give him the job," and he, that was it. He was just on set then. They sort of add, they added to the character role and stuff. So, I, yeah, I, I, when I saw that, when that's he had the, the sort of scars on his face and things, I I was watching that and I was thinking, I thought Victor Zaz, I think his name is, mm. um, but and I was like, so that's sure. I was like, I don't remember him even being in the the, the sort of Burton verse uh, films, and I was like, but with the scars, I was like. Is it? And then it was like, I had to look it up while we were watching it. Because yeah. I, I was doing, while we were watching, I was looking up quite a few things with both uh, 89 and 92 Batman, because there's certain origin stories and things which, or potentially deaths and things that don't 100% line up. Because Megan oh, was no, like, yeah, because yeah. especially Catwoman, that was a bit of a mess. But with um, with Joker's real, or Eckhart's real name, because you asked me, Megan, you were like, oh, is... Uh, is that his, his Joker's actual name, Jack Napier? And I was like, I was yeah, because like, I'd never heard it before. I'd and I said, no, no, no. So the whole the, Burton, when they wrote this as well, it's not just Burton, but the writers were just sort of like, here's all the comics. And they were like, we don't care. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So Jack Napier, they've re- they, they have introduced Jack Napier into the comics as a bit of a tease at times. And the and the was it small Arrowverse? I think it is. They use yes. his name as well. But, yeah, they had him in that. Um, and obviously, um, so the Joker's origin is never known. Like, you know, the, the Bat- Batman didn't create the Joker. You've obviously had the Killing Joke, which was a comic written by Alan Moore, which interesting. That's what I said to you about, yeah. That sort of thing. But also, like, he, you know, he didn't kill, Jack Napier didn't kill Batman's parents, like Joe mm-hmm. Chill did. Um, so there isn't this, you know, this symmetry of sort of like, you, you know, as Joker said, like, I created you, you created me, you know, like, who's to know who really created who sort of thing. Uh, all that was added in just because it sort of felt cool for the film. Um, but they do the same in they do the same in in Batman Returns. I'm not supposed to we'll jump to that really. So like, you know, 1992 Batman Returns. Again, they were like, "What's the Penguin's origin? Oh, he's a gangster. No, he's a freak from the sewers. Oh, okay. What's Catwoman? She's a jewels thief. No, she's a she's a revenant from the dead, uh, possessed by cats. All right, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just go with that. Um, yeah, Burton's more about the monsters than than you know than actually trying to stick to any any comic book law. Well, it's, it's like with, with Beetlejuice, just thinking back, because obviously I mentioned it earlier, the one thing I would say about Beetlejuice is the the thing that annoyed me a bit about it was I remember with Beetlejuice seeing the, the character transformations when they become really weird and messed up and the girl, you know, she pulls her, her mouth yeah. out and becomes oh, yeah. giant and the guy pulls his skin and I was like, 
I was like, I remember seeing this bit at some point in my life. I was like, oh, this is amazing. That This bit, I was like, oh, this is probably where the film gets amazing because it mm. was like, it looks so cool and creepy. And then they have it for about, what, two and a half minutes? And then it yeah. goes and you're like, Tim Burton just had this, this concept idea of, of these really cool looking characters. Probably couldn't really figure out what to do with them. And was like, let's just pop him in here for two minutes. And, and that's almost, yeah. a lot of Tim Burton films almost just vessels for him to like, he gets this random idea like in the shower, like, right, let's figure out how I can force this into a film. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, but yeah. The thing is, like, he stepped, Burton's, an, it was a Disney animator. That's yeah. how he started. Um, and did he make Alice in Wonderland stuff? Did he, am I right? Obviously he did, that's the remakes of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, but he I did think those. Like, he, he, when, eight, when, when, Disney was going through its troubles in the 80s, so like Dark Cauldron and a few others. Like, he was an animator on those, so that's where oh. he started. And he went off and did his own thing. And um, I mean, when he got Batman, like he'd only made like three films. He'd made uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, and Edward Scissorhands. And then they were like, here's a million dollars, you know, here's a hundred million dollars, make Batman. <laughs> and, and then the thing is, because Batman made so much money, like all the merchandise in, everyone was. Do you know who made the most out of all this, by the way? Jack Nicholson, because he got a percentage profits, not just for Batman, but for Batman Returns as well. Like that really? got laugh. Yeah, best. They say, they say it's the best percentage contract in Hollywood history. Guy was laughing all the way to the bank. I think um, it was just to jump off that tiny bit for a second. It's almost like with I think it was George Lucas with Star Wars. Is that with the studios when he made it? I think he he said. Like he would take some obviously amount of it because of intellectual property, but he put basically, he was like, you guys can have a lot of the profits, but I want almost all the merchandising money. Yeah, and yeah. then obviously Star Wars is one of, if not the biggest merchandising money makers in the history of mankind. Obviously oh, yeah, Luke yeah. said that genius idea of let's name every single character yeah. and every single character that you've ever seen in every film for even half a second get sold. And then that, so that I just think oh, when you hear those little stories. Yeah, yeah. Fair, oh, yeah. Play, fair play to George for making every vehicle a toy. <laughs> but yeah but with this one of the things i say with the with the 92 thing talking about toys batman was hugely successful and you got all the toys like i had the burton s Bat, uh, batmobile and the figure i think even i did as well to be fair yeah. and so when they come to batman 92 they were like T you know tim do your thing go off go do your thing and he comes up with this nightmarish vision of circus freaks and dead people and then they're like, uh, they watch it back and McDonald's had to back out of a Happy Meal deal because they couldn't, they couldn't market this film on their Happy Meals. Oh <laughs> my God. They were like, what have you made? We can't market this. <laughs> this isn't the film you made two years ago or, you know, two or three years ago. And he's like, no, it's not. This is my vision. And they were just like, oh shit. <laughs> like, what have we done? And do you, uh, Scott, have, have interest? Do you like... Uh, Batman Returns or Batman 89 more? Which of the two do you prefer? I mean, 89 is my favourite. Mm. Um, I do love Batman Returns though. Uh, and mainly because I think it's so weirdly messed up. Mm. Um, it, that's it, it looks beautiful. But I mean, you were saying about the Penguin. What, what were your thoughts on Danny DeVito as the Penguin? So I, I really like Danny DeVito as the Penguin, but it mm. kept annoying me because his spit was black. <laughs> and it was just going all over his face yeah. and then then there was the bit where they were like because they're in the sewers but like i was like how are these penguins first of all how has he got so many fucking penguins yeah, like, like there's, there's so many first of all there's like 10 or 20 and then there's that last scene where it's like a whole scene crowd. where they've got like yeah. just hundreds of penguins yeah. and then because it's like underneath an abandoned zoo of some yeah. description yeah. so 
first of all, well, yeah, why are there so many penguins? Because the zoo definitely wouldn't have had that many penguins. I have never, ever been to a zoo that has hundreds of penguins. How sinister would that be if you walked in and you're like, that's, I'm not sure I feel comfortable with that many penguins. Watching. Penguin world. But how are the penguins surviving? Yeah. In the sewer? Yeah. Like, I would be like, they would be mutated. And also, why is he riding around on this weird duck? <laughs> Why is it not a penguin? <laughs> like, like, there's no, it doesn't make any sense. It was more just the quantity and the actual logical sense of how those penguins would survive because yeah. they wouldn't. <laughs> like, this, this is what I said though. This is where Batman 66 comes back to haunt us for the first time. Like it'll happen again. Don't worry. But this is where like, <laughs> the, the, the end of Batman Returns it could, it might as well be Adam West in the bat boat flying around the sewer, chasing down penguins <laughs> with rockets on their backs. Because then they're being mind controlled. Yeah, they got the. Yeah. Got oh, yeah, because they were wearing the little armor. Oh, yeah. They, they had the little helmets on. Yeah. They were waddling about. They were waddling around and then they, they jammed the frequency and then they all just started turning around and wandering back where they came you, from. Yeah. The first but thing I, you said is that when, when they were wandering, Megan was like, how on earth do they all know where to go? And then immediately, <laughs> as soon as she says that, she's Megan's like exposition man, when, like Robin exposition man, when we watch the films, because she always, whenever she says something, the opposite seems to happen. Oh, I love that Bob character. He's so loyal to the Joker. Dead. Why is it that these penguins know exactly where they're going? Then Batman says, I've jammed their frequency signal. Now they won't know where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> it's just every time Megan points something out. But the funny thing is as well, is that even when the frequency gets jammed, they all go back together. But the exact like, same direction. Penguins wouldn't do that. Also, <laughs> <laughs> you said like the a little weird plot hole is like penguins. Uh, you point out the species, the different species of penguins. Oh yeah, Pe different species of penguins don't live together. I was like, no. they have emperor penguins there. They have Humboldt penguins there. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And Mike was <laughs> laughing at me because I was getting so agitated by the fact that there were different species of penguins living. Megan together. loves penguins. I do very, love penguins. Clearly, so I was just like, this doesn't make sense. You did say yeah, the start, I, like, I, I like the fact that you're uh, you're focusing on that. That doesn't make <laughs> Yeah, of all the stuff in this film, the, the Humboldt penguins are the emperors. I mean, there's the whole thing as well with Catwoman, and she's like literally her fingers getting eaten by a cat. Yeah. When she falls off the roof. There's so many things with animals in that film. <laughs> but keeping with Penguin, I was going to say, is that you point out right at the start. I mean, one of the things I'd say about Returns, I actually preferred Returns yeah, to 89, if I'm honest. Although I think it's, for me, it's almost like Returns is more up and down. But I yeah. think the ups for me are better than mm -hmm. the the how bad the downs are. Whereas I found that eighty nine was really good, but the is really Jack Nicholson's show is, is the first yeah, one. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I think Returns is more uh, Penguin show. But Megan pointed out at the start, right at the start of this film, when you've got the how dark it is with Penguin's parents. Mm. Like, oh yeah, like literally straight away they throw their baby into like the water after he eats a cat <laughs> yeah he's in that he's in that cage isn't he they're like, they're like oh my god what's happened to this <laughs> yeah. baby and, they, and then the cat walks past and he just, and he just eats a cat <laughs> and then you see the cage and rattle well, that's what i mean like because this, this the first sort of 10 minutes of this film tells you if i was an executive sat watching this and think and thinking back to 89 and the success you've had and the first 10 minutes of this film, like, you don't see Batman for ages, although the, the introduction of Batman in this is, is immense. Stupid, but immense. <laughs> um, 
so yeah the first 10 minutes is how about a baby being abandoned like mm. you know a deformed baby and i love the fact that like you have the parents sat there and they're all sort of rich and toffee nose and they sort of have it in a like a steel box <laughs> yeah. anyway, so stuff. Uh, one of the things that you know and this is probably me overthinking it but i've realized like penguin is the anti-moses he gets adopted by the egyptians and then leaves the jewish people out of you know out of uh, egypt to safety right i was like right okay so what's this then because oh, he, he starts in a wicker basket he's adopted by penguins comes back to kill all the first sons like the plagues of uh, of egypt <laughs> but not for to save anyone other than just to just to take revenge so yeah. like, i was like wow he's like the anti-moses um <laughs> But there's so much like weird little symbolism in this film that I'd not noticed. Like, watching it this time, I was really sort of getting into it. Because you obviously get the circus gang, and I love the way they all look as well, like the clowns and stuff. Yeah. One of my favourite little little things in this film is so stupid. You know, we said about the light in the first film, that was like a little fact. You know when they have the masquerade ball at the end of the film? Yeah. And you've had that sort of, they're trying to turn on the mayor, aren't they? They're trying to sort of like uh, undermine the mayor so that, that Oswald or the penguin can become mayor. The mayor's costume includes a knife in his back. <laughs> oh, I yeah. That. No, I, we, I noticed, we noticed that. that. Well. We and I was like, what a wonderful touch. That's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. I saw that. I thought I'd missed something when, when I saw that, but I didn't realise it was like a metaphorical imagery. I was like, is he just... Because it was it's like a proper jam in the back. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, it was a massive knife as yeah, well. Yeah, like, is he about to die? And he just seemed to be okay it's like yeah it's obviously part of his costume to be sort of mm. like and to show that like you know as he's been stabbed i was like that's really cool um but yeah I, I do find the whole penguin thing both silly but i really enjoy him as well yeah and danny devito was just made for that role like obviously yes. we've been watching a lot of it's always sunny in philadelphia mm. and it's like one of my favorite shows and danny devito is just the worst person in the whole world in that in that series and it's great <laughs> and like in real life danny devito is like one of the nicest people in hollywood yeah. like he basically like half adopted the girl from matilda when her mum got ill and he showed the mum like the unfinished version of matilda because she was like terminal and he did all the you hear about danny devito and he's like the nicest guy in hollywood mm. but all the roles he plays because he's just like four he's foot just... man who's basically quite to be horrible but it's the roles he plays this gross little yeah sort of and it, <laughs> in, in the peng when he's penguin he is so vulgar and so like he's also kind of rapey as well kind yeah. of he's horrendously rapey isn't he he's yeah just like, and he, he, he plays the role so well and I, I couldn't imagine anyone doing penguin no. like better well exactly i think like you say he's the jack nicholson of this film like yeah you know, he's 100%. so perfect for the role but you say about how rapey is like there's some of the double entendres in this film like again like because i'm watching it a little close this time i was like i've never spotted that before uh when uh catwoman's in his apartment or whatever it is and he comes in and says oh just the pussy i've been looking for and i, I was like what <laughs> wait a minute yeah i, I... make a call that yeah. so uh, the face that I just made, and I know that this is a podcast, but the face that I just made is the exact face I made when I heard it. Um, and it is not a pleasant face. Every, it just, it, uh, yeah, it was not it's nice. like the unsexiest, most vulgar man yeah. ever who's half spitting all the time. Like, oh, God. All that. Yeah. With Catwoman doing all these, not quite as bad as 66, but also kind of bad cat puns. And all this, it was like reverse sexual tension. It was like yeah, there's yeah. so little sexual chemistry between them, but they're both saying weirdly sexual things you're just really uncomfortable for that really whole scene it is just repugnant <laughs> one of the things i wanted to ask actually is 
and because I was trying to sort of, I was trying to, in my head, I was thinking of how sort of like prescient this film is, you know, sort of like businessmen, corrupt businessmen getting involved in politics and all this other stuff with Max Shrek, the wonderful uh, Christopher Walken in this film. Like he, again, like he's another one that's sort of like vile in this film. But also, it, like the whole like, Me Too thing with um, Selena Kyle, uh, Catwoman, and Michelle Pfeiffer, like being, you know, ridiculed and then killed at work and coming back to the I was like, is there an element of like, do, I mean, don't know if you felt it at all, because it might be like a bunch of white guys writing it and directing it. <laughs> But did you feel there was a, like, trying to be, like, a female empowerment in this film? I think so, because obviously, like, any time that there's uh, a supervillain that is... Fe- or any time that there's a protagonist that's a woman, I think mm. they always try and make it so that they're empowering. I mean, Catwoman, obviously, come... Well, I mean, obviously, I, the, the only representation of Catwoman that I have is this representation yeah, she hasn't seen Rise. i haven't, I haven't seen so. anything right. else so i just know her as this like scatty <laughs> like <laughs> mentally unstable woman um so yeah obviously she she takes it in as her own to try and seek revenge i suppose on on christopher walken doesn't she because mm. she obviously tries to get him back for what he did to her yeah i mean he pushed her out a window well, when that happened, as soon as it happened, because we, we were watching it, and then, because as I said, I have, I have vague recollections of the film, so when certain things happened, I was like, oh yeah, but obviously Megan not seeing it. As soon as uh, you got pushed, you just yelled, fucking hell. Because <laughs> it's, just yeah, like, it was, it it's so sudden, isn't it? It's like, you're kind of seeing him kind of pondering, and you're thinking, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to slap her or something? Was he going to yell at her? And it's just, bam, straight out the window. And you watch her fall and fall and fall and cut through those. Yeah, I think the difficult thing is with, with the whole female empowerment thing is that obviously when it is female empowerment, it's meant to be like, yeah, I'm strong, I'm a woman i can do this but catwoman's just she's scatty as fuck like yeah she doesn't she's so like delusional and unstable that she's like it's the psycho not... ex-girlfriend almost, yeah it's, yeah it's kind of like they're trying to be empowering but at the same time they haven't quite hit the mark with it it's not like wonder woman is it it's not like you know wonder woman Gal yeah wonder Gadot. woman is, is she's yeah. like her and black widow is an example because megan's seen i'm sure the mcu movies mm. and the DC movies like wonder woman and black widow they are strong in uncompromising, brilliant women, and they don't need men. Yeah. Yes. Whereas Catwoman's got this. She's got this that weird thing with Batman. Yeah. Because when we watched it, it was there's that scene where they're in uh, Wayne Manor and they're just kind of talking, and then Catwoman literally lunges mouth first, at, <laughs> and it was like, whoa! It almost made me jump. It's also like a jump scare of Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman launching at Michael Keaton on that sofa, and it was it was one thing I keep saying when we were watching. Um, I don't know why, but recently in films, every film we've watched in the last like, month, there's been this really close-up of people kissing. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm not a prude in any way, but like, I don't really enjoy watching people kiss on screen because it's just kind of gross, right. isn't it? Yeah. And we're watching it, and it's like, especially when it's people who are, in air quotes, passionate, which ends up just being a it's lot of tongue. It's just them rubbing their face against That's what it was. It was just like, this. she is empowering in some way, but also it's kind of damaging because almost like saying, yeah, she's a strong woman, but she's absolutely batshit. It, it, yeah, it, it shows someone that is very dependent on others, but has obviously been treated really crappily in her yeah, life. But also very sexual really, as well. Yeah, over-sexualized, but also doesn't really know how to deal with those emotions. So yeah. it's, it's kind of odd. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like one step forward, but two steps back in a way, or yeah. maybe two steps forward and one step back. Cause it's like, yeah, it's good. She's what, strong, empowering and stuff. It's, but it's, it's almost like empowerment by, by committee, isn't it? 
Because mm. someone's gone, like, okay, she needs to be a strong woman. Like, they literally have the line, I'm Catwoman, hear me roar. Like, you know. <laughs> that bit was... Like, oh. uh, and then she... Mike was just like, cats don't roar. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, big cats roar. <laughs> yeah. um, and then she saves that woman who's being mugged. And, and, you know, there are moments when you're like, ah, right, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to give her, like you say, the power. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, but you've got to make her sexy. So make, you know, now have a move in this way so that her bottom is on display for the next three minutes and all this other stuff. And like, yeah. You just, you've just, everything you've just done. Yeah. It's like, if I, if I had, a, if I had a, a young girl now or just a child that mm. is a girl and she wanted to aspire to be like a, one of these women, like obviously Wonder Woman is, is a, is a superhero and then Catwoman yeah. is kind of like anti-hero. A, a, an anti-hero in some way. I would want her to aspire to be Wonder Woman, not yeah. Catwoman, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it kind of depends on the iteration, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like with all this though. Like, I wouldn't aspire, even for a boy, like, you know, when you see like kids dressing up as Batman, you're like, I want to be Batman. I'm like, oh, really don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's clearly got issues. Like, you know, he's dealing yeah. with his grief by beating people up. I'm not entirely sure he's a good role model. <laughs> well, one thing Megan noticed as well is in both uh, Returns and 89 was that you said about how what is up with Batman being like really closed off to everyone. And then as soon as he opened, like cracks the door open to let a woman in, he tells her fucking everything. Like well, it was like, as soon as they get invited to Wayne Manor, they're immediately making out or having sex. And then obviously. Yeah. yeah it goes from zero to a hundred. I'm like, all right, well, Batman, calm down. Th- this is the thing I, ha- I was going to pick up for all three films so far. <clears throat> and I think it's a running theme. And I want to see what you guys think of the next episode is every single one of these films just says all Batman needs is a woman. Because in, in 66, he's like, oh, there's Kitty, you know, Catwoman in that one. He's like, oh, well, I could save her and other things. Then you get Vicky Vale trying to sort of, fi- you know, fix him and save him in Batman. And now you've got Michelle Pfeiffer, who together they're saying, like, together we can be, you know, we're both broken. Maybe together we can be fixed. I'm like, wow, that's mm. a dangerous relationship. That is. <laughs> yeah, that's-, <laughs> that's like, the, if I had to give any advice to anyone in the planet about relationships, it's don't fucking do that it's like do the yeah. opposite be 100 yeah. percent happy with yourself and once you are or not, maybe not 100 because near on impossible but be be content with who you are and what you want then go into the world and find someone else to help you don't be broken and find someone else to fill that void because yeah. that is that is not a healthy I relationship alfred. i blame alfred it's alfred who keeps trying to do this he's trying to force these women on him he's going like look let's <laughs> give him a woman It'll be fine. Or maybe he's just thinking, if I get him a partner, like, I haven't got to do all this shit I keep having to deal with. I can retire. (laughs) The women that he goes for, obviously in 66 and in, is it 92? Uh, uh, 89, it's Batman 89 or Batman Returns. It's 92. Right, okay. But, so 66, both of the, so two of them are are Catwomen. Yeah. So, uh, and then the other one, she's a stalker. Like, he doesn't call, he, she says that he's going out of town and she's like, all right, Alfred, I'll see you later. I'll see you when you get back. And he's like, yeah. don't know what you're talking about, mate. And then, and then she's like, all right, I'm going to stalk the hell out of this guy. I, like, I've literally met for one night and had sex with, and now I'm going to stalk him because that's what women do, apparently. <laughs> so she like goes after him and like follows him. So every girl that he's trying to get with in all of the different depictions have been... Broken. have had issues yeah broken yeah. they're all a bit a bit broken 
Um, I, keep that in mind when you watch the rest of the films. <laughs> okay. I, I'm aware of the uh, a poison ivy. In, yeah, um, it, it's not just poison ivy. It, it, I'm sure it's a running theme. I'm sure, and I'll be interested to see if you think if you think I'm right or wrong. Um, other thing about it is that you said about. Let's go back to one of the comments you made early, early on about how useless and absent the police are in this film. Um, there appear to be two policemen. There's Commissioner Gordon and the guy who drives his car. <laughs> <laughs> All they do when, when, the, when the circus gang turns up at the start of the film, they're like, get the signal on, get, get the signal on. And you, you yeah, have... immediate, immediately. Yeah. yeah. Although I will say with that, I will say, I forgot to mention earlier, but that starting sequence, I think, of Batman Returns is probably, in my opinion, the best start of any Batman film. Mm. Now, I, I do love Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rise. I mean, Dark Knight Rise has got the really cool uh, Bane plane stuff, but like, I just think the way it was shot and every the, the feel of it, the pacing, the visuals of it, and obviously that really cool bit I mentioned earlier, which is the, the Batmobile just with that little pole coming out the bottom of it and spinning yeah. around on the spot. You mean when he burns a man alive? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, is it like a thing that Batman like burns? Oh, no, no, someone burns in every single Batman film. Oh yeah, because there's that bit at the end where there's someone else, Christopher someone else Walken's burns. character, he yeah, like melts, yeah. and it's almost the same prosthetic as yes. in 89 Batman yeah. when Joker zaps the... It's just this weird thing with Tim Burton what likes skeletons with bulging burnt skin and eyes um, but anyway, the, the, the thing well I was going to say one of the things as well at the start is that I think you touched on it earlier which is when it happened it's probably the coolest shot in maybe any Batman film ever which is when the bat uh, bat signal shines into Wayne Manor yeah, and yeah, you've got Michael Keaton stands up and I said and I was like that's the coolest shot ever but as Megan points out it's well, obviously that wouldn't happen like well, more everyone that, would know that that was Batman <laughs> <laughs> why does the bat signal go to Wade Manor of everywhere? Here's the thing, though. If you look at it, because the, 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 this is how it works, and it's worse than what you're thinking. <laughs> the, the bat signal, the bat signal uh, projects over Gotham City. And in doing so, it seems to activate something at Wayne Manor. So in Wayne Manor, a bunch of sort of like floodlights come on using mirrors, and they move, don't they? They move, and then they project. So the, the, the bat signal that goes through his window is attached to Wayne Manor. <laughs> at some point you're gonna have someone who's doing the windows and going like, yeah, da, da, da. why has this dude got a bunch of bat signals attached to his house how weird i'll well, give him a clean just, while i'm here the thing it is, is well, awesome. though, <laughs> it is a really cool shot but it just doesn't make sense because because no, i was saying to mike i was like so no one knows that batman's batman like apart not alfred, even yeah. huh apart from alfred but yeah oh, yeah well yeah. yeah apart from alfred but like even so commissioner gordon doesn't know that batman's batman no so, like, why is everyone trusting someone that they literally don't know the actual <laughs> identity of? They're literally just putting their hands, their lives into this guy's hands. And they're like, I actually don't know who you are, apart from the fact that you wear a weird little mask. Yeah, but yeah, go on. You crack on. Save our sea. <laughs> I love the fact that the first thing Commissioner Gordon does, like, in the, the, the circus gang haven't done anything yet. They turn up and they sort of do something to the train. And he's like, get on the signal. And you get Bruce who's brooding in his sort of study. And then you get the light. <laughs> and it's cool. Uh, I love the fact that, he, like, I love the idea. He's just sat there brooding in the dark, like a proper emo. <laughs> like a bat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like I say, he drives into the city. And they've been waiting for him. And they've just been causing chaos. And I'm like, this could have been solved. I've seen how brutal the police are in modern society. They'd have battered those guys. <laughs> Oh, there's one bit. There's one bit which is that starting thing again when Batman set that guy on fire. 
Mm. And Megan said something out loud that was so funny I had to write it down, which was when that guy, it was that bit. Oh, I don't know if yeah. you want to say it or if you want me to read you saying it. No, you can say it. <laughs> where the star, where the uh, bat, uh, the Batman basically ignites that person on fire. You know, he dro- I think he drives in, hits two people into the uh, mm. building with a bit of fire, and then he turns, he spins around with the coolest gadget ever, and he ignites the Batmobile, and the fire shoots out and sets the guy on fire. And the guy's running for, you see him for about two seconds running and screaming on fire, and Megan just went. Stop, drop, and roll, mate. There's snow everywhere. It's the best time to be <laughs> yeah. on fire. You just stop, drop, roll. You're literally surrounded by water and ice. Like, if you just rolled on the ground, you'd be fine. Like, probably with minimal burning. I was just <laughs> saying, it's the best time to be on fire. It's over the snow yeah. on the ground. And you just get this guy just running without dropping. It just I, killed I love me. the fact that, like said, because you're right, there is. There's easy solutions for a lot of this. But again, like, you know, another time, because Batman's clearly killed that guy, I think, at yeah. least, or at least got third degree burns. Like, the and in America, sure, yeah. the, the hospital bills alone, that's probably going to bankrupt yeah. him and his family. So. Well, well, the favourite one is, though, you know, you get the really big strong man that they've got, like the big burly the tattoo dude. guy. The oh, tattoo yeah. guy. The way he deals with him, like after he can't beat him, he attaches sort of like C4 to the front of him and throws him down a, t- down a hole to be blown up. <laughs> I couldn't, I've, I've never been able to get past that one. That's always bothered me, that one. <laughs> I, I always find it was funny that when, I think it's, uh, bef- I can't remember if it's before, I think it's when before Catwoman is Catwoman, yeah, is when, when Batman saves her, because there's a guy, I think he's got his knife to her throat or something, and yeah. Batman shoots past him, and he's like, you missed. And then he pulls probably the thinnest bit of plaster I've ever seen in my life, mm. hits the guy on the back of his head, and knocks him out for a good five minutes. You see, like, continuous scenes where he's still on the floor, and you're like, that wasn't like an anvil. No. It was a bit of thin plaster. Like <laughs> to be fair, though, Selena Kyle then zaps him. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, that, oh, yeah, she's got that taser. Yeah, that that is a fair. But point. Linking into that though is that there's that whole bit where he's just like, oh yeah, because they meet each other when he's dressed as mm. Bat. No, when he's when he's Bruce Wayne. Sorry, and then. He's like, oh yeah, we've met. And she was like, have we? And he was like, oh no, no, we haven't. I'm like, you're meant to be like incognito. And you've just blatantly said, yeah, we've met when I was Batman and now I'm Bruce Wayne. (laughs) It's the way he says it as well. Because instead of saying, I thought you were someone else, he says, I thought I was, oh, he says, I'm sorry, I've got myself myself confused with I thought I was someone else. And, she's yeah, like, and she oh, stares at him. And she says, like, even she's like, what? And he's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Batman 66, little sprinkling of that in there, yeah. of just that weird little amount of, uh, of goofiness. Well, to me, this film, this film is peppered with 66-ness in, in, in little bits of it, you know. Uh, as you said, sort of, uh, the whole finale with, with the Penguins um, <laughs> is, is so 66 the the fact that the penguin bursts into uh, the the masquerade ball on the back of a rubber duck um, is both wonderful and weird and nonsensical. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, there's, there's just so many bits in this that don't make sense. I'm just like, but I love it. I'm happy with all of this, but I'm yeah, it. I can't take it too serious. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm still confused as to why they even wanted him to be mayor. It's basically, it's that vagueness, I think, of just like Batman's clearly not doing the best job and the mayor's letting Batman kind of run around. Is that it, Scott? Basically what it is, uh, so the plot of this film, which again, doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) About two thirds in, the plot doesn't matter. The whole plot of this film hinges on uh, Matt Shrek's uh, business proposal for the, the energy plant. 
And then obviously they find out that the energy plant isn't going to produce energy. It's going to suck and stockpile energy. And so Matt Shrek realizes that like Bruce Wayne is going to uh, try and defeat it. And he's going to have the mayor on side because nobody trusts Matt Shrek because well, he looks like a baddie. Um, I mean, yeah, he looks like Chris, an evil scientist yeah, from the 50s. To be fair, Christopher Walken just looks slimy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Max, so Christopher Walken, Max Shrek's plan is to undermine the mayor so that he gets impeached or voted out or whatever, and then put the penguin in, using okay, yeah. him as a sympathetic character. So everyone sort of gets behind this whole story of an abandoned but you know, child that's now made good sort of thing gets him in power, then he can just push through his, his thing for the, for the um, power plant. That's the plot. Right. <laughs> Do you, and that's the plot for the first 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that devolves into crazy penguins. Sort of, yeah, then that sort of just goes away. And, <laughs> um, and then it becomes this whole different plot about, you know, the joke, the, the joke, the penguin then goes back to this idea of just killing the firstborn sons and, and, and everything else. But yeah, I, that's I, the plot. <laughs> I was going to say, one of the things I loved about that is is that moment where it's another little 66 moment, but I think this moment works really well, where you've got that uh, the quite large uh, clown, and mm. you've got Penguin, and he goes, he's going to kill all the firstborns everything, and everyone's kind of standing around him silently and that big clown, he goes, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, um, are you sure about that? that you know, killing the firstborn, that, that seems a bit you know, what's kind of almost like what's the point in that? And the penguin just looks at him, pulls out an umbrella, just shoots him. Yeah. Just well, I love the words. It's the it's the dialogue. It says it says you know it says oh penguin isn't that a little? And he shoots him and goes no it's a lot. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, is the that... umbrellas. He has like a whole thing of umbrellas well, that have he... different things. There's one that has like little like animals that go around there's a gun umbrella there's like an electric well, that's how he umbrella dies, isn't he? he's like he's dying and he somehow mm. comes back for a few seconds and then he, he grabs the umbrella to do like he's meant to put out the gun umbrella to shoot bruce oh but bruce uh, batman and he pulls it out and then it's that weird what is is there any reason for that for that, that umbrella like a mobile isn't it mobile. He says, yeah, yeah he, he shows it earlier on doesn't he because he shows it to max shrek at one point and says oh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna be like the, the pied penguin and I'm going to basically entice all the kids to come down. They're all going to trust me. And then I'm going to walk them into a vat of the toxic waste that we've stolen from, we've found from your um, power plant or whatever it is, or your industrial plant. So it, that's part of his plan, I think. I don't know. I don't... It's, it's a pretty weird umbrella. <laughs> like, of all, he's got all those umbrellas. <laughs> of, you know, I do what, though. We yeah. did love, we love that umbrella bit where he pulls the umbrella out and then it spins and then it starts to, yeah. and it was like the, the umbrella copter. Because we were like, that's even cooler than the Batcopter from 66 Batman. <laughs> so that is a really cool little... It is where we're every... I've, it's almost like every two things in Batman Returns that are really cool. You've got one thing that is just ridiculous and makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is what, if I'm honest, like, <clears throat> that we're about to embark on a bit of a slide. <laughs> I have warned Megan about um, and, and <laughs> Batman and Robin. This is where it starts. Like, I do... I love Batman Returns and Batman 89, but... You can see that sort of like there's a little bit of a um, ridiculousness, and 66 starts to creep back in until basically it's there, and you might as well have Adam West doing the bat dance. Um, <laughs> but we'll get to that point anyway. We, we, we've done quite a long sort of wrap of the first mm. three films in this front in this uh, retrospective. So, just going to do very very quick wrap ups. Is there any final thoughts you've got on the first three films that we've done for our Batman retrospective? 
there's a couple of random little Catwoman bits that I quite like. You know, like life's a bitch, so am I. That's quite a cool line. Or where she just says meow, and then the explosion happens behind <laughs> her. That, that 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 was quite uh, that was quite funny and things. Um, but really. I mean, I also I really like the guy with the I think it's organ grinder where he's got like the music box and then there's oh, the he's a great character. Character. I love yeah, him in so many films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think aside, I feel like if, if my my personal overview of the three films was like sixty six, it's ridiculous, it's silly, it makes very little sense. But if you go in thinking that, it's actually quite brilliant in a lot of ways. Mm. And then eighty nine, it's pretty consistent really good solid film and i can really see why it kind of spring-loaded the batman franchise and i think returns was a sequel although in some ways it wasn't as strong i think it's a really good sequel in the way of a lot of the times you get sequels neither they're just crap or they're just carbon copies of the first and mm. i think that returns did a really good job or well probably tim burton did a really good job of having it different enough so it was still interesting and crazy stuff going on but not so off the wall different that it offends everyone in in a way yeah. that, that's probably for me personally what about you Magano? yeah i mean i i liked all of them i didn't hate any of them and i i hate a lot of films well, get ready uh, so, <laughs> uh yeah no i i did enjoy it i i enjoy the the campiness and the silliness of it all to be fair because it just it just makes me laugh Mm. Uh, but yeah films that don't fine. take you can't take them too seriously Danny DeVito is the main villain and he's you know I know the Penguin is a very famous Batman villain stuff but like when the main villain's big plan at the end is an army of penguins <laughs> wearing little funny suits waddling through <laughs> the city that'd be the dream I just yeah. want to cuddle them it's just penguins are great so it's like Megan, <laughs> Megan just had the biggest smile on her face for the whole end scene she's like I was like there's so many penguins I think you're like I think I don't know if you asked me you just said out loud you're like I hope these penguins don't die <laughs> it's like oh look at the penguins wait a minute they don't die do they but um Aside from that, I mean, I think that the cat... Oh, no, there's one bit I really didn't like about Batman Returns, which I don't really think landed very well, which is where he just pulls his mask off in front of Catwoman. Oh, yeah. oh he the, rips it. Like, yeah. the silicon rips. And he's still got, so like, a turtleneck. Because there's this weird thing about wearing turtleneck sweaters as Bruce Wayne, and then he basically has a turtleneck Batman suit. I did, I did like the bit, actually, with Batman and Catwoman, where they both had that moment where they realised who each other yeah. were. Under the mistletoe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They obviously made that comment. Uh, I can't remember what. Oh, the... if you, I think it's you kiss under the mistletoe. So is deadly it, if you eat it, and a kiss yeah. is deadly if, yeah, if you mean it. So they, yeah. yeah, they both made that comment, and they were like, "Wait, hold on a second And they're like, "Should?" And they're like, "Do we have to fight now?" And they were. And they, they go outside. That, yeah, that, that bit's really cool, but it is that weird thing with Batman, where it's like when he rips his mask off at the end. I just feel like that's so out of character for Batman. It doesn't feel it is. like it, it works. It, it is, but it, it also results in one of the best lines and reactions in the film when you, Christopher Walken turns to him and says, Bruce Wayne, what Why are you dressed up as Batman? And then there's a Catwoman that's like, he is Batman! You moron! <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're really good. I mean, these three films, I think, are really good. And yeah. it's funny, it's almost what we're doing is the next episode, I know, is probably not going to be as much praising and things, but it is... It's that weird thing in the, the almost the, the 90s where a lot of superhero films dipped because I've only seen bits and pieces of a lot of the Superman films, but I know that the Superman films are generally considered really good and they just slowly... St there's like little bits in each one which are a bit... But they yeah. kind of... They're, they're, all, they're all good in their own way, um, apart from 4, which is crap in its own way. <laughs> <laughs> is that a quest for peace? Is that quest all that for one's peace, called? yeah. <laughs> is interesting. Um... But yeah, no, it's interesting. I do. I, I'm with you guys. I really enjoy these films. I think Batman '66 is just 
like a big day glow ball of nonsense. Like it's there to be just fun and funny and not taken too serious. Um, I do kind of love the fact that in the day, you know, even when I was a kid, I thought Batman and Batman Returns was, you know, that was dark and grim and gritty and all sort of stuff. And now I watch it and I'm like, it's not too far away from 66, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like 66, it's like starts off way darker and it's like, oh, this is going to be, but as it goes on, it does sort of become lighter, which is weird because normally films do the opposite. Normally films, yeah. I think that's what I said when we were watching it actually. I was like, normally films, apart from like all new Disney films, which have like parents killed off in the first five minutes and like every film now, aside from them, most films start off kind of light and you build up the characters then some horrendous thing happens. And mm -hmm. then after that, it, it, it gets darker and then kind of lights at the end. But yeah, with these ones, they start off really dark and then kind of get lighter as they go. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think so. That's it. I think we've, we've done the first three films in the retrospective. We've got the three, the next three films. So the first one we're going to be dipping into, uh, it's still a little Burton-esque. It came uh, soon after, started in 1992. Uh, and was, but this film was released in 1993. It's Batman, the animated movie. It's called Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um, and it's, so it's an animated movie sort of spinning out of the TV show. So I'll be interested to see what you think of that because that's that's the animated series is considered probably the best on-screen version of batman ever by mm. by many many people uh, and then we're going to go into we'll discuss probably a little bit as to why burton left but then we are going to be covering what's referred to as the schumacher years covering batman forever and batman and robin and we are going to experience 90s jim carrey at his most Jim oh, Carrey. Uh, yeah, Megan doesn't like Jim Carrey that much. No, well, you are going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are going to have uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger even appears in a, a Batman film later on. So um, that is what are... what a treat, huh? You, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely buzzing. <laughs> yeah. You get, you know, you're going to get some different Batman. You get Val Kilmer as Batman. You're going to get George Clooney as Batman. <sighs> you're actually going to get Robin as well. Robin is back. <laughs> Everyone's favourite. The boy That's wonder. So excited. The next, two, the next two films of the franchise are so 90s. It is unbelievable. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you wait. Oh, Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone even it, it comes into one of them as well. So, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing that now that probably mean nothing to you, but you wait. <laughs> yeah, you say it. I'm, I'm like, yeah, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is. No, yeah, you were too young. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, I shall wrap this up. So quickly, uh, for both of you, if you, you know, well, for you, Mike, how can people find you on social media? Uh, and Megan, do you want people to find you on social media? I mean, people are welcome to find me on social media if they so desire. Well, you, got, you can say your Instagram if you want. I have an Instagram account. If yeah. you want to be inspired, I have an Instagram account dedicated to my weight loss journey, and cool. it is Grits Gets Fit. <laughs> Which, awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, and uh, with me, I mean, Megan, uh, on Genuine Chit Chat, Megan does uh, come on as my occasional co host on certain episodes. I'm a self proclaimed co host. Yeah. She just started appearing on certain episodes occasionally, and now she just. So she's like a guest star that won't stop appearing yeah. um but yeah you could find me at genuine chits chat on twitter instagram and on facebook and yeah if you want to get in touch with me you can contact me in any of those ways and if you want to hear from megan you can contact me on that and i'll pass the message on if you don't have instagram yeah <laughs> 
Wonderful. Okay, well, you know, that's it, guys. We'll be back soon for the Batman retrospective part two. But for the time being, stay safe and we'll be back same bat time, same bat channel. Mm -hmm.